the Augustin Hosinga show with your host Augustin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. Hello there and welcome back to the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host Agostino Zynga and this is episode number 590. That's 590 of the Agostino Zynga show. I hope you are feeling well wherever you may be. I hope you're feeling good. I hope you're feeling well. I've actually upped the levels on my end with the microphone and stuff because I know sometimes I sound a bit low as I'm whispering and stuff because I usually call these things super, super late at night because, you know, I'm a bit of a night owl and a bit of a weirdo and I'm up to all sorts of travel late at night. But hopefully the level should be nice and loud so you can hear my voice booming through your earphones, your headphones, your speakers, your car stereo, wherever you may be listening to me today. I hope it is booming. So... I'm back in the hot seat, ready to roll. I'm going to be dropping a lot more of these podcasts on a more frequent basis because I know the last few weeks I've been a bit slack. I think I've been doing like one or two a week. So I'm going to go back to my usual frequency of just knocking these out as many as possible. And whichever ones you get around to listening to, you get around to listen to them. And I'm just happy someone's listening to them anyway. I don't care which ones you get around listening to. I don't care if you listen to it for one minute, two minutes, three minutes. The fact that you're checking it out for any amount of minutes is really a privilege. And I don't take that for granted at all. What's been new in my life? Number one thing that's been new in my life, I recently finished um, watching the recent Netflix movie called The Grey Man that stars um, Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans and a few other well-known actors. Now, for someone like myself who's a fan of action, who's a fan of thrillers, who's a fan of um, stuff blowing up, people getting shot and loads of real great fighting scenes, pretty decent movie. For anyone else pretty horrendous like legitimately horrendous and i'm sat here thinking to myself how the hell does netflix expect to claw back all those subscribers they lost because in this movie no spoiler alert but basically the bad guy in this movie is the guy from like is it downton abbey what's that he's in some series i forgot his name um let me see what i can see his name is that's the flipping um, protagonist, right? The main kind of baddie in the actual movie, which is really weird because every clip I've seen of his is of a girl's first thing. Yeah, this guy here, this guy called Reggie John, Reggie John Page, right? Who was also in, what was he in? He was in Bridgerton. Bridgerton, sorry. All the girls on my, you know, Instagram or on my Twitter because I usually follow a lot of fashion girls and stuff. So I always get, you know, my insights into reality TV and trash stuff and the things that girls would like through what they post. And for the best part of what, the last two years or so, I've been seeing this guy's picture um, in his kind of, you know, whatever attire he's wearing for the series called Bridgerton for the last two and a half years, right? So girls basically like him. He's a bit of a heartthrob. So I'd assume in Bridgerton, he comes across as a really, you know, passionate, nice guy, right? He doesn't play the bad dude. So to see him play the bad, sinister, sort of evil, no good kind of guy in um, The Grey Man was a bit weird. It kind of threw me off a bit. But hey, it's a series. It is what it is. But the overall film itself, the overall series, man, it is such a 
complete waste of time and money like the plot is a bit dumb it doesn't really make any sense it's just action and violence for violence sake not in like a mission impossible way just in like a really whatever type of way it doesn't really make any sense whatsoever um the casting is bizarre chris evans doesn't really do that well even though i quite rate him as an actor ryan gosling is a bit one note even though i rate him as an actor and the girl that's in it who they try and save this one called uh, julia butters whose name is what no her, her name in the series is claire fitzroy terrible like i don't get it man and i've just read recently that um netflix have just signed on to do a sequel of this movie it's directed by james joe russo and anthony russo what did they direct beforehand that i might have watched i'm not really fair with directors they did avengers endgame oh extraction okay that makes sense okay extraction was far better though i watched extraction i really enjoyed this this was another um another uh another netflix movie that was effectively more of a cash grab at them trying to conquer the southeast asian market because it was basically set i think in india don't get me wrong with a lot of kind of you know south asian um descendant whatever um, actors also in it but it was a really good movie i liked it main star being um chris hensworth being essentially a dude that was basically tasked to look after a very rich not a gangster's kid or something and he ends up getting kidnapped he has to get him back kind of thing but i pretty much enjoyed i thought it was a really good movie it was far better than the gray man the gray man was really 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 like pointless like all of it was pointless the action that was happening everything that's happening on screen didn't really go anywhere um it was just a bit of a mess to be honest and they've just basically the greenlit a sequel which is bizarre because you i read recently that they've lost over what how many subscribers did netflix lose um netflix subscriber sus subscribe subscriber 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 loss yeah they lost quite a bit recently how much how many did they lose someone yes jesus christ two million subscribers which isn't like losing subscribers on youtube or on like you know or follows on your instagram account because these are people who pay their money who kind of decide you know what enough is enough and usually it's a nominal fee in it it's like when you unsubscribe from somebody from a patreon it's like you deciding nah they're not providing me the value i need i'm going to unsubscribe because usually the fee is not that much it's usually anywhere between like like mine's like a pound up to like 14 pound up to like 100 whatever it may be but it's usually a low fee under like 20 bucks so when you decide to unsubscribe i would imagine from i don't know if this is true but i'd imagine from like a sales point of view it's pretty difficult to get people to resubscribe you unsubscribe you're fairly it's fairly easy to get somebody to just join up new but to get that person who decided to click unsubscribe and go through the whole process of you know deleting their account and all that stuff and confirming it via email that's a big step that basically means they wash their hands of you so i don't know how netflix think this movie the gray man is actually going to get them back where they need to be i don't understand how they think that because this movie was absolute trash like really really was trash and again i'm somebody that would usually welcome and be okay with these type of movies i don't mind them um these kind of nonsense like i said i'm a fan of the mission impossible franchise i've watched a lot of terrible movies like this in my in, in my past before but this was really really bad like i'm not even joking like ridiculously bad um and i don't know how they got a sequel out of it but again it goes just showing it like a lot of the stuff in hollywood and entertainment in general isn't really based on taste level isn't really based on what's good or what's not maybe this is a politically made film maybe somebody in the background green litter who's got a lot of money maybe the stars that are involved can't have an l next to their name so they can't get this one quote unquote cancelled or it can't you know what i mean it can't not get picked up again because of the caliber of the stars that are involved i don't know but 
it is so bad it's literally the worst netflix it's maybe one of the worst netflix movies that they put out i'm not gonna lie um one of the worst and i'd imagine the book it's based on is basic is probably a lot better than the actual movie as per usual but forget about the book the movie itself is not good um and i'm surprised it's got a sequel i really am if, if you've watched it yourself and you've you know maybe got a different opinion to me then i would rec welcome your um comments down below i really want to know i even signed up to netflix you know temp no i didn't sign up for that i'm gonna kind of lie i signed up to netflix again because i cancelled my membership but i signed up again only to watch borgen and then i cancelled it straight after but then i ended up you know getting this from you know some illegal services from some illegal providers let's say but if you guys think anything different than me then i would like to know if you guys enjoyed the gray man but i don't know how this is going to claw back there lots of subscribers i really don't but you know i guess they know something that i probably don't know when it comes to that sort of stuff moving on moving on um what's well, gonna say yeah developments regarding Cristiano Ronaldo because I mentioned it the other day on the podcast so Cristiano Ronaldo player for Man United has been going through a little bit of a a little bit of a weird situation where effectively he's been angling for a move outside of away from Man United but he hasn't necessarily made that clear to the fans the club is basically reiterating they don't want to sell him and some fans some of our portion of our fan base are basically hoping it's all not true and kind of burying their heads in the sand but from what we can ascertain from the leaks that are coming out from the fact that Ronaldo turned up to the club training session the other day for a big meeting that was attended by Sir Alex Ferguson um, people were saying Paul Gascoigne was there the Queen arrived all the members of the board like it was a big meeting that basically they had at the club where essentially they were trying to clear the air and get some understanding as to where everybody stands and I think someone reported that in that meeting Eric Ten Hag and his staff were basically showing Christian under the plans of what the club wants to do going forward and how they want to basically mold the team around him and kind of assuring him that you know they have him kind of in their plans going forward which is a bit embarrassing that they'll jump through so many hoops for a 37 year old Ronaldo if this was a Ronaldo who was 28 29 fair enough but a 37 year old Ronaldo the club bending over backwards and twerking for him in this regard is just a little bit embarrassing but it also goes to show where we are as a club overall so the update here concerning um this is courtesy of sky sports is that Cristiano Ronaldo Athletic Madrid and Bayern Munich both rule out a move for the main United forward these clubs came out categorically and said so both of their people involved in the boardroom level I think for Bayern Munich I think it was Oliver Kahn they came out specifically and commented on the rumors so if they're commenting on rumors I'd imagine there is some weight behind them and the fact that the club hasn't said anything concerning Ronaldo's exit or Ronaldo hasn't said anything is a little bit annoying but I guess he's trying to protect he's trying to have his cake in here too he wants to be loved and adored by the fans but he also wants to pursue his um personal kind of career glory goals right which is basically he wants to have a one last hurrah or a couple of last hurrahs of trying to win the league and maybe competing for the champions league but the last thing he wants to do is play thursday you know football with us being europa league but when he signed for May night he should have known that was always going to be a, a possibility and the fact that we finished you know in a position where we were in the europa league and then he basically told, I think, from what people are saying, he told Eric Ten Hag that he could count on him. Now to change your mind is a little bit scummy. But again, what should we shouldn't expect anything different because Ronaldo's always by always by himself in it going forward. But um, just as we just to kind of put it out there for myself anyway, I would much rather see him go. I'd much rather we just start from a clean slate, even if that means we go into the new season with just one striker in Christ, in basically anti Martial in terms of a recognised forward. Maybe you could say Rashford as a forward too, but not really because he's been playing more so as a winger in this new system that Ralph Ragnick has got. Sorry, that um, Eric Ten Hag has got. So if it was up to me, 
I will tell Ronaldo bye bye sayonara let's just start for a fresh maybe promote a kid up from the youth ranks to be a, maybe a supporting cast member in terms of the strikers we have or get someone else in loan who's with a journeyman who can maybe fill in and give you know Martial a rest when he gets injured or when he gets injured if when he gets injured or when he has a loss of form or whatever during the season but relying and kind of pinning all our hopes on Ronaldo is really I think a mistake and I think even if we can even if we convince him to stay for sure we'll go through a dry spell for sure we'll go through a bad form a, a bad spell a bad form for sure we'll go on a run of you know bad losses for sure he'll probably get dropped for a couple of games and then you're going to have a real problem on your hands because Ronaldo clearly is the player who takes well to like being dropped or being left out of the squad so to avoid all those issues and of course the issue with Maguire and the loyalties in the change room and the divided you know camp whatever just get rid of the guy shake hands say it's been nice and let him leave but you know I guess commercially, the guy just generates too much money for the club who's not in the Champions League for him to let him go in that regard. I get it. But hey, the article says as follows. Cristiano Ronaldo talks over the Man United's future with boss Eric Ten Hag on Tuesday. As the Levko Madrid and Bayern Munich both ruled out a move for the forward, the 37-year-old arrived at United's Carrington trading ground with his agent Jorge Mendes on Tuesday morning for talks. Former United manager Alex Ferguson was also seen arriving, but it's understood that he was there for a regular board meeting with the Chief Secretary Richard Arnold. Yeah, right. Ronaldo returned to the UK on Monday after missing the club's preseason tour of Thailand and Australia due to family reasons with the explanation accepted by the club. There he is coming in, of course, with his agent, Jorge Mendes, who's continuously tanned. There's never not a time where he's not fucking oily and brown. So he just spends his entire time on his laptop in some fucking, you know, sunny location somewhere being fed grapes and sealing deals. So if he's there for sure, you know, Ronaldo's going to leave because he means business. Ten Hag admitted he was unclear of the situation ahead of the tour, but Ronaldo is now back in United setup after training away with us from the squad in recent weeks. The Portuguese captain has told United he wants to leave the summer amid concerns he'll be unable to compete for the biggest trophies of the club. Um, but United's stance regarding Ronaldo's future has remained unchanged. United are willing, are willing to listen to offers for Ronaldo this summer. It's happy to understand, but the club's public stance remains that he's not for sale. The funny thing about it is that he wants to leave, but from what we've seen so far, no real club has come in for him because A, his wage demands are too much and two, he's just too much baggage. In the same way that a Messi would be too much baggage for most clubs because at their age, you know, they can't exactly compete or push themselves at the level that they could in previous years. Most clubs around the world play that pressing, fast, counter-attacking type of football anyway. So they're going to want players who are going to be on the front foot all the time. And if you don't have those players, when you play one of these guys in Messi or Ronaldo, you're essentially playing with 10 men because they're not exactly going to be pressing for the front foot or running up and down every 10 minutes and stuff. It's not going to happen. It's not likely. And of course, for the caliber of player that they are, and from what they've done in the past and from what they're possible to do in the future, they command an incredible, incredible amount of wages. I think Ronaldo at the club now is on like £400,000 or something a week or something, right? Insane amount of money. And not a lot of clubs can afford that at the moment, especially now in the post-pandemic world. So he's kind of priced himself out of a move for being so good. And he's priced himself out of a move for being too old. Do you know what I mean? Like football's kind of moved on. So it's a weird position that Messi and Ronaldo are both in where like, in maybe yesteryears, they probably would have retired already, so there wouldn't be an issue. But they're also super fit and keep themselves in good nick. And they can, but they also think, and it's believable, that deep down they're probably better than the MSL. They're better than playing in the Arab League. Um, they're better than going to China. They can still compete for top honours in the top clubs, but they're going to need to play for a club that doesn't mind having them 
play and not really contribute much to the club defensive wise or whatever it may be and just being up there up front and just kind of knocking the goals in and unfortunately there's not a lot of teams that do that nowadays everyone kind of needs to play their part so it's a weird situation to be in if you're Ronaldo because you obviously can do it because you proved it last season he scored 18 goals for a very shit United team um, in one of the toughest leagues in the world so that's proof he can still do it but it doesn't really tell the whole story it continues. Ten Hag said in Bangkok of Ronaldo was one of his one had one year remaining. But blah, blah, blah. it continues here. I feel like Madrid and yeah rule out. So I feel like Madrid and Bayern Munich have both ruled themselves out of a move for sign Ronaldo. Atletico are linked with the move with a five-time Brando winner, but the president Enrique Cerezo has labelled the move for Madrid icon practically impossible. Um, I've already said it several times. I don't know who invented the Cristiano story, but I'll tell you that it's practically impossible that he comes to Atletico Madrid. The rumors are rumors, and that they stay and that they have stayed there for months. If you keep on feeling the rumors, that eventually it will look like something is real, which is not. Meanwhile, buying Chief Executive Oliver Kahn, crazy, right? It's come out and also said. Despite initial consideration, so there was considering uh, moving for him, and after losing star striker Robert Lewandowski to Barcelona, the Bundesliga champions were not pursuing a move for Ronaldo. Earlier in July, Kahn told German kicker that Ronaldo does not fit the club's recruitment policy philosophy, and he reiterated the remarks in an interview with Bild. We discussed Ronaldo internally. I consider him one of the greatest players ever, said Khan. Then he came to a conclusion that despite appreciation of a player, he would not fit for our philosophy in the current situation. And to be honest, he shouldn't have fit Man United's philosophy either. It really was a golden handcuff. We weren't ready for a player of his calibre. And I think when he when he sat down and had that interview where he basically lambasted the club's lack of ambition and called us out, we all agreed. But it was also fairly obvious that that was going to happen because the United that he left was not the United he came back to. So the fact that we signed him just to spite Man City was really a bad idea, in my opinion. And it ended up costing us in the long run because now we are hang strong with the player who... I think it's going to end up causing us more issues than actually solving issues going forward. And it looks like he's essentially priced himself out of most moves around Europe, unless he wants to take a hefty, hefty pay cut, which I don't you know, blame him for not wanting to take because you're Cristiano Ronaldo. You shouldn't take pay cuts. You know what I mean, I get it. So um, moving on from that one, over the weekend, I went to E1, obviously, to go see um, Freddie K, Devious One and the Lady Machine was also playing, but mostly to see those two guys. And when I was at E1, I was reminded of just how annoying it is to kind of club in the UK in terms of before you actually enter inside of the club. Number one, the fucking barricades, right? You have to kind of wiggle around barricades and go around the long way and shit. Then when you get there, there's like a hundred million security guards like just staring at you. And if you're tripping your balls off or if you're high or if you're just drunk, it can be a little bit unnerving that all those people are looking at you because it feels as if they all know what you're doing right they're all looking in your soul they can look in your pockets they can look in your pouches whatever it may be um yeah that's what basically you kind of feel like and then the other thing that's really disturbing that kind of threw me off which i'd noticed a lot but i guess because i went there sober this time and i had only a couple of drinks when i went in there but on the way there i was completely sober which is rare because i usually always have a bit of a pre-drink so i was completely aware of my surroundings and obviously i had i was on my bike so i was completely aware because the wind was blowing in my face i was just loving life they have this thing in our country where they essentially take your id as entry of course to check your age and shit they scan it for a system and they also take a picture of you to put into this internal system that they supposedly pass around to other clubs so the idea around it is that they can then pass your images or your contact deals to other clubs so if you've been banned in one place or you've caused some ruckus in one place they can kind of note that in your file and then pass it around to other clubs so that you can be 
so they can keep the club safe. It's kind of, that's what it's basically sold as, right? That's the kind of premise around it. But it is incredibly intrusive and incredibly um, unnecessary, I think, as well, especially for the nightclubs and the places that I go to. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, you already got my ID. You already checked it, which is already enough, which is already a lot as it is. And then now you want to take a picture of me and put it on your internal database that I have no idea where that stuff is going to and then allegedly share it to other people, which I've not consented to either. It's really, really strange. I have no idea why this is a thing. And I have no idea why it was kind of passed as a law and people don't really bat an eyelid about it. And I guess because it's one of those things, it's like um, airports and airlines. They get away with bloody murder because we have no other option but to use them. So every time people complain about, oh, this service, they lost my baggage, the thing was delayed, they wouldn't give me a refund. You're going to be back again anyway, because especially if you're flying on a budget airline, that's the only thing you can afford. It's the only airline that goes where you want to go to on a reg on a semi-regular basis. You've got no other options, really. Do you know what I mean? You, can, you have to basically stick with it. And I feel like clubs kind of get away with the same sort of thing. There's no other place you can go late at night to go and party, get high and, and maybe potentially hook up with somebody and have a dance and listen to somebody play so they basically get away with murder because you've got nowhere else to go and it's really really annoying and i found this old article from 2014 courtesy of vice that speaks on it a little bit it says are uk nightclubs breaking data laws by storing your id and fingerprints it says as follows say i don't like the look of you if i scanned your id i could ban you not only from my club but by sharing the data for, for from every nightclub in london how the fuck is that not illegal how are there not data protection issues with that alex proud the owner of proud london proud candor sorry has a reputation for being a bit of an opinionated and gobby but this is issue but this issue and the harvesting of the personal data from clubbers, which is increasingly becoming mandatory for late night venues, has him firing words out with furious and spitfire precision. There was moments when everyone like was like when everyone when everyone likes to have a bit of power, he says. But I'm not here to police society. I run a nightclub. It's ludicrous that I'd be given that sort of power and society doesn't want me to have it. Exactly. Alongside CCTV and hefty security teams, Proud Luck Camden, like many other clubs across the UK, have been required to install ID scanning equipment, allowing bouncers to check for age, ensure no undesirables are admitted to entry, sold to us in the name of easier access in some venue. You can now expect to be fingerprinted to the full airport immigration experience and the thing that i have an issue with is that my id that i use which is a provisional driving license i guess is too new for the system so every time i go to a club they basically have to input and scan my details in as a new person so i basically have to get taken a picture of myself all the time whereas most people i guess you get scanned it gets saved in the system and you just go through but every time i go to a nightclub i get a picture taken every single time and say happens with my passport because my passport is too old so they can't scan it but then my new passport my new id thing is too new so it doesn't recognize on the system it's really annoying because every time i go i'm like you know it's like a little it's a it's like a buzz kill and it kind of knocks you out of your kind of rhythm because you're having to like stand in and then take a picture it's like what the fuck's going on here absolutely madness especially when you go to nightclubs where they have a policy of no pictures allowed but then they take a picture of you outside it's fucking bizarre anyway it continues as it says here but a buzz killing aside this shouldn't be shrugged off why the hell do that we go out in the first place if not to escape the rules and the constraints of daily life there is a serious implications to amassing yet more private data we should be asking questions who agreed that clubs and private technology firms should be allowed to collect all this information about where we are where we uh, where we hang out at night 
the UK's biggest provider of ID scanning equipment for clubs and bars, ID Scan Biometrics Limited, claims to have the largest private ID library in the world and its database includes passports, visas, ID cards, driving licenses, utility bills and work permits. The system can check NHS numbers, electoral roll, telephone numbers, national insurance numbers, sanction lists and politically exposed persons list. That is insane. That is some black ops flipping secret state um, sort of shit in it. That is literally insane. By joining Safer Club and Nightclub Association, sorry, Nightclub Network, bar clubs and bars can share data with others, with each other. Should you be banned from one club, the bouncer can spread your details across the network and the party is over for you at every venue in town. Some venues use different scanning systems, so if you go out a lot, your details may have been uploaded to several different databases. How nuts is that? Not only does it not scan stuff that's new or that's too old, it also doesn't actually share databases on the machines aren't new enough to actually share them around to different places. So you're having your details stored in different locations with different people, not knowing anything about it how you can get it deleted and stuff it's just absolute nightmare despite having more than 5,000 of its scanning machines in deployment when i call id scan biometrics limited i'm told it's only a small company and there is no one who can speak to me my subsequent emails to the company's operation manager are ignored local licensing officers who have almost invariably been behind the um, arrival of the system are more willing to vouch for a success it's a scheme with which the police work closely requesting crime related data gathered by the clubs and in return feeding back information on offenders in six months following the implement implementation of scannet in watford last year violence was down 14 percent and faced by 57 percent according to the council however no dependent independent national assessment has been carried out don't get me wrong i'm sure similar to like you know i've worked in retail and, and most of you guys are aware that of the retail little trick where they'll tell you if you're working retail to stand next to the door or stand next to the security gate thing where people when you walk through a new skate goes did and usually when you're doing that for the first time you usually think what's the point if you've got a gate here that makes a sound why should i need to stand here you know i mean you're gonna hear that someone stole something you can go and then attend to it then but the idea behind it is that if you stand next to the gate or stand next to the door sorry or whatever of your store and you greet everybody that's coming in it kind of puts would be um shoplifters off because the whole idea of shoplifting is they don't want to be seen especially the conventional way you know there's some hardcore guys that actually steal and rack for real who enjoy being seen and kind of you know want to play that game and basically do it under your nose but most shoplifters want to not be seen and kind of go in and go out without being noticed and kind of slip away with all your product so if you say hi it kind of works it kind of puts people off so i'm assuming these scanning machines and these com cameras and shit do the same thing they kind of put a little bit of a mental barrier in your head they kind of you know make you um uh, think twice about whether or not it's a good idea to go in there and pickpocket or to spike someone or to get into a fight or something do you know what I mean so maybe that's the case best practice for the use of ID scanning equipment has been to lay down by the information commissioner's office ICO and including recommendation that the data be deleted after a super period of time yeah right like of the data protection act requires that information is kept from no longer than absolutely necessary however club owners I speak to were hazy about the requirement some told me that data sits there forever others thought it was six months three years one said it keeps as much information possible indefinitely some told me they were storing the data themselves others it saved encrypted on the service and companies like id scan given that many of the venues use different data marketing propositions it's obvious that some of our information will be kept long term so absolutely heinous and crazy situation to be in and just another reminder of how great and shitty it is to flip in 
go out in London. Like we have one of the best clubbing scenes out there. Honestly, I've said it many, many times on here and to my friends in public or to anyone I speak to. I think in London we have, or the UK specifically, we have one of the best clubbing scenes because we have every genre covered. If you're into new metal, if you're into punk, if you're into um, jazz, if you're into house, if you're into disco music, there's going to be a specific night out there on catered specifically for your taste playing like out there that you can go to the tent sorry dj spinning that music that you want to hear garage dub bass jungle whatever you'll hear it all night long in the nightclub it's absolutely fantastic right absolutely fantastic scar whatever you want to hear but on the other side of it it's so draconian in terms of the times you can go in in terms of the times of closing in terms of the searching in terms of the ids all this stuff is just so draconian and really annoying that it's kind of hard to like go to kind of leave your house in one mood and go in in the same mood you kind of it always kind of buzz kills you because they kind of knock you off your vibe by just being aggressive and being all over you it's just annoying i really hate it sometimes but you kind of have to put up with it and i guess for the most part it does make you appreciative when you do then go out to other countries such as berlin which i'm obviously eager and happy to go to um when you see it done the right way it does make you really appreciative of it when you do see it done that way to be honest you don't go out there with a sort of like over it sort of thing you don't go out there with an entitled sort of thing you go out there kind of appreciating every bit of it and wanting to kind of soak yourself in it and immerse yourself in it and really take advantage of every minute you're out there because you know you're not gonna get that sort of liberty and freedom when you go back home so maybe it's a good thing maybe it's a good thing Next on the list is this random video that popped up on my, not random video, it's a video that um, I found on Reddit actually that I wanted to talk about because I think this in general should be a, what you call it? It should be a heads up and a warning to most artists out there, especially up and coming ones. But I fear for some reason, whatever the reason is, they don't ever seem to learn. And this is a clip taken from uh, oh, the Wallow and, and Gilly podcast. I've got the name of it. But essentially, Fabio Foran sits down with him and essentially talks about how he's still locked in a very shitty deal with Mace, the legendary New York City rapper, right? From bad, from you know, ex bad boy guy. Well, I'm not sure if he's still on bad boy. Actually, I'm not really sure what's going on over there. But anyway, the legendary rapper Mace essentially signed Fabio Foran to his first deal when he was first kind of bubbling up, and Fabio Foran is saying he's basically still in this shitty deal where he essentially was given a five thousand dollar advance which is meant to be money that you're meant to use to, you know, make your first album to fund your lifestyle so you can quit your job and focus on the music, whatever. That's meant to be like your first sort of cash advance you get as a loan from the label to make your first album. Then you sign a label deal and then wherever the splits are, you basically work out a way that you can kind of pay that loan back across the length of your contract. So it might be a contract of 10 years, might be a contract of five years, might be a contract of five albums. But that kind of first loan you get is usually an indication of like your level of talent, the trust they have, you um the the kind of um the the hope the, the, the you know they're kind of prospecting out how long you think you're going to be in the industry for like all this sort of stuff is equated into it but you would imagine someone like a five-year foreign who was always kind of looked at as like the second option if you couldn't sign a pop smoke right in terms of the new york drill scene you're somebody that was really kind of pushing his way forward especially when pop smoke was around and still kind of making a bit of a buzz for himself you would imagine he would have, he would have commanded a far higher advance than five thousand dollars but for every reason five foreign four is a good deal and now he's still trying to get out of the deal because i guess fabio foreign is now a far bigger artist than he probably expected to be but then his deal doesn't necessarily reflect and he's probably not getting the money he should be getting out of his music 
now that he's a big star that he would be getting if he had better splits. Do you know what I mean? Because if you're getting five thousand pound advance, five hundred dollar advance, I'll assume your your splits and your contract aren't that great. You're not probably making any money from your music that's streaming, and you're probably making all your money from appearances, which is crap because you should be getting as much money as you can for your art because it's your art. But I have a feeling that my opinion on the backside of this would be a little bit controversial because a lot of people are, you know, have a lot of sympathy for him for this, but I don't really, to be honest. But let me play the video from the podcast. No shit, no nothing. Nah, the, the nigga who bought me to him, he was like, yo, man, just sign that shit. You bugging him. I'm like, yeah, read it. He's like, all right, just sign it. It's good. I'm so I just signed it. And was it advance anything? It was just like. Yeah, advance $5,000. $5,000? Yeah. Oh, cool. cool. He, he, he signed you for 5000 That's all a nigga gave you? That's all, yeah. I, 5000 was a lot to... 5000 hit when, when that yeah. shit... You know what I'm saying? That shit hit, That's so the same I, thing Nori said, 5000 Yeah, Nori signed for... Yeah, 5000 5000 yep. Yeah, he signed, signed for 5000 That shit hit, and I thought... I thought that shit was going to last till whenever that shit was yeah. going to last till. That shit ain't last... Two weeks. Two weeks, <laughs> and, how, and listen, but how long was the contract? You still had your rights I'm still now. in the contract right now. I'm saying, Jesus Christ. <laughs> nah, you know, he, you know, Mace know the business, and he know he really know the business a lot. Like, you know what I'm saying, so I didn't, like, so I didn't know nothing. I just was signing. He was like, yo, he was like kind of fake trying to explain it to me. Like, yo, you get, you get to keep this. I get thirty percent of this. So I was like, all right, whatever. Like, you know what I'm saying, what, what I'm like, what, what we gonna do? I'm saying, he like, you know, he a smooth talking nigga. Jesus Christ. And you know what? I've got no sympathy for him at all. Zero. I think in the year 2022, when artists, especially hip hop artists, because that's the most, that's the most, that's a genre of people that I hear complaining about their record deals the most, even though I'm sure, you know, janky deals happen in every type of industry. I think most people just kind of grin and bury other industries or figure out ways to kind of make it work. But you hear about it most from hip hop artists because they're a bit more outspoken and willing to kind of go against the grain in that respect and ruffle feathers. But I think in 2022, if you sign a shitty deal, it's on you. With the amount of free information that's out there, with the likes of Russ, an independent artist who cannot shut up about how independent he is and how much money he makes and how amazing it is to be independent and how amazing it is to sell tickets and go on tour and talks about the business of record labels. Like he cannot shut up. Like you, you every time you see a clip of Russ online, it's him promoting his music in a really cool, interesting way. And it's him going on and on and on about music industry stuff. He cannot stop talking about it. So if that's the case and you haven't come across some of his content material online, that's your fault. If you haven't seen the numerous amounts of podcasts out there that exist with other artists who've talked about their bad deals with record label executives talking about how janky the music business is with people just talking about the music industry stuff in general on podcasts and stuff if you haven't been locked in and tuned into that stuff then it's 100 percent on you on you and to be completely honest you know as much as i like five year foreign and i think um that album that he put out bible was an incredible cohesive body of work something that really surprised me in terms of how he did it maybe it was because of the executive production with flipping kanye maybe it's because he's actually really good at putting together an album and sequencing it well but it was really well put together for an artist like himself who i like and i enjoy and i think he has an interview actually with them um, the podcast called how long gone which i reckon you should check out because you know it's with two guys who wouldn't necessarily wouldn't necessarily speak to i guess in everyday life and they kind of bring out a different side of him and i really recommend you check that out also he does strike me as a bit of a dummy 
know what I mean? Like, he does strike me as a bit of a dummy. He strikes me as somebody who probably shouldn't be signing anything without the presence of a lawyer or somebody that knows the business. He shouldn't be just, you know, conducting these kind of deals because he is effectively what you would class as an artist, right? He's not involved in the business aspect of it or all doesn't have that business acumen, which he shouldn't have. Because I've, I've always thought to myself anyway, when it came to this whole contracting stuff that happens in music and people saying how bad 360 deals are and which essentially I feel like how bad 360 deals were were also the it was also kind of a catalyst to kind of get a lot more artists to be entrepreneurial even though I guess the music industry changing and it going into a streaming area and stuff and social media smartphones maybe that played a part in it too but I feel like the, because the deals were so janky and artists weren't eating at all from their music they had to think of other ways to kind of you know get some sort of income in and a lot of them got creative doing shows <clears throat> doing podcasts selling merch whatever it may be right and I think that's a good thing but I also don't think it's fair to expect every artist to have an entrepreneurial brain every artist to be a Kevin Hart or to be a whatever else think of it like a Russ whatever no every artist has that ability some artists should just be concentrating on their art in the studio every day traveling listening to new music soaking in new game and just being a student of the of the culture so they can put out great work and then the people that should be handling the business should be handling the business and that's what probably should be happening on five year foreign side of things then the other side the thing that's really really sad and really really demoralizing if you think about it because Fabio you would imagine is a guy who you would classify as being from the streets a guy you would classify as somebody who probably you know sold a bit of work out there and was involved in some hairy situations for him to sit down there and say five thousand dollars hit at that time as if five thousand dollars was really a lot of money for him and he legitimately thought he was going to live off that for like a year or something he'd be able to flip it into like a hundred grand by two weeks whatever it may be that's really depressing the fact that most artists out there are really struggling and really starving and if somebody comes up to them and gives them five thousand dollars for their likeness and for their you know for life basically most of them would actually consider signing it away because they're hurting so much and they're probably at their wits end in terms of their career they're probably at an impasse and yeah that's what probably happens let me take that back what probably happens isn't probably that they're broke maybe the fact that somebody's willing to give you money at that stage is a sign finally that you're going in the right way because to make it as an artist in any genre in any field or in any area is very difficult right because it's a it's an oversaturated industry for the most part or it's an industry that you know not a lot of people can kind of get let into um whatever it may be and it's a very much a the fans kind of choose you right you can't really finagle your way into being a star you have to kind of build up a fan base in some way shape or form you kind of have to have records out here you kind of have to have some luck on you as well so there's not sometimes you get a lot of responses back from the universe that tells you you're not good because your views are low no one's buying tickets to your shows no one's buying your album your merchants and selling and shit so maybe when somebody comes and gives you five thousand dollars at that point it's a it's a kind of a it's 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 reassuring it kind of tells you oh you're in the right way you're going in the right direction you shouldn't give up you shouldn't go get a full-time job so maybe the that that five thousand is more symbolic than it is oh this is going to last forever this is a million dollars but regardless it's super depressing to hear him say that five thousand dollars really did hit because it proves that a lot of these guys out there signed for far less than five thousand if you think five thousand is a lot do you know what i mean they sign for way less, but they kind of lie. They don't talk about it or they just recoup or they just kind of get money from shows and they kind of get and forget about it. But, you know, 
I'd imagine with his streaming numbers, the fact that he's somebody that you would imagine a lot of kids and millennial Gen Z type people are into, his streaming numbers are probably ridiculous. So for him to just not collect at all on the streaming is probably leaving a lot of money on the table, even though I'm sure he gets money from doing club appearances and doing gigs and doing festivals and live shows and touring. That's good money. But still, why would you want to miss out on a huge chunk of money you could be getting from your label or from the streams of your album um, because your deal is just really fucked up? And unfortunately, in this case, Mace is in no obligation to change that deal or to let him have his deal because he signed it. You know what I mean, like even though he fucked him over, he signed that deal. So it's going to be out of the goodness of his heart if he wants to change and flag with whatever. But the interesting side of it with Mace's situation is that he's going through a really sticky situation with PDD where he's been attacking PDD. He made a diss song against him. And most of it has to do with bad deals back in the day when they were on Bad Boy and shit. And he seems to have a real bug and he's asked about Diddy and he's not letting it go. The fact that he's got a bad deal, the fact that Diddy fucked him over and he's really kind of reminding people that Diddy isn't who he thinks he is, blah, 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 blah. So it'd be interesting to see what he does now because he's effectively done the same thing Diddy did to him, to somebody else. Will he now do what he hopes somebody would do for him? Or will he do what most industry people do and just kind of pretend it didn't happen, explain it away, play semantics and shit? I'm interested to see what he does because I think he posted something on his Instagram recently saying, oh, he wants to go on the Gillian Wallow show and sit down with them and talk about the whole situation, kind of clear the air because he feels like Fabio Foran kind of misrepresented what actually happened when he signed the deal and shit. But let's see going for. But anyway, to end it, I think if you're an artist now complaining about a record deal, I don't want to hear it. There's too much information out there for you to get fucking scammed. If you're getting scammed, it's on you. It's on you. It's on you. And then to move on, of course, we have to play this absolute sad clip, like a really, really sad clip. I'm sure most of you guys have seen it, but it was concerning Rolling Loud in Miami that happened the other day, right? And I guess most of you are aware Rolling Loud Miami Kanye West was meant to headline for a long time and then out the blue he decided to pull out we have no idea why um most people are speculating that it most likely had to do with the stage design and the whatever else that he does you know when Kanye does live shows he doesn't really skimp he doesn't exactly come out there with just a DJ there's a whole production that goes into it so most likely you know Rolling Dad couldn't really fulfill it or he just changed his mind on a whim but regardless he cancelled and then cut you know, um, Rolling Loud was struggling to find someone to headline at that time because I guess everyone's touring and doing their own thing. They managed to find Cuddy. And even though Cuddy's not the level at which Kanye West is at, you'd imagine because they exist in the same sort of sphere that it would make some sort of sense for the kids who are going to Rolling Loud. And the fact that it was announced was it like a week or like a month ago a month a week or a month before the actual event so it gave enough people time to kind of digest that kid cuddy was going to perform and not kanye it wasn't like the whole drake and frank ocean thing at camp flag not that year right where you know frank ocean was meant to headline one of the you know at camp flag not and then out of the blue as per usual he cancelled and then drake went and performed last minute and he got booed and shit which was crazy to see right these kids at camp flag not basically booing one of the biggest artists in the world but clearly they expected to see frank ocean last minute no last frank ocean and the last minute drake comes up i can understand why you're pissed off but this stuff happened to Kid Cudi is fucking so out of order and really embarrassing and also weirdly humbling in the same way that it was probably humbling for Card for Drake to receive all those booze when he went to flipping camp for like now. So this is courtesy of Rolling Loud Miami and this is uh, Kid Cudi performing there and essentially as he's performing people are throwing stuff at him, right? Projectiles, bottles, whatever it may be and somebody hits him square in the fucking face as he's performing and he just basically storms off. <clears throat> Oh, one more 
stage and I will walk off. I'm not fucking playing. I'm not fucking playing. You will ruin it for everybody. I will fucking leave. If I get hit with one more fucking thing, if I see one more fucking thing on this fucking stage, I'm leaving. The harmonizing in the background as he's saying this is fucking nuts. It reminds me of um, the Travis Scott Astro World tragedy when Travis Scott is like flipping, croning and doing his whole straight up and his whole sight, you know, that thing that he does when he's flipping, making noises on stage. And little does he know in the crowd, like, hun- you know, hundreds, but like hundreds of kids are being trampled upon. And obviously a few kids end up unfortunately passing away. So imagine your last dying moments and breaths, all you're hearing is flipping Travis Scott groaning in the background and Kid Cudi this respect as he's flipping harmonizing with the back with the with the with the band in the background kids are preparing to throw another projectile at him to get him off the stage (laughs) (laughs) the walk-up is fucking hilarious too you can tell it's so small and short, but yeah, bless bless him, man. What an absolute horrendous um, show to be at, especially if you're a performer, for that thing to happen to you, innit? To be, to replace, and the thing that makes it worse is that obviously Kid Cudi and Kanye are going through their bit of a bad spell at the moment where they're not on talking terms. I don't even know actually what the reason was. What was it, be- what was it because of? I think it was because Kid Cudi's friends with Pete Davidson, right? And I guess Kanye felt like it was... Um, it wasn't loyal of him to be friends with Pete Davidson considering Pete was going out at Kim. Um, I think something to do with that. But ever, ever since then, they've been on bad terms and it must be super grating to go and replace Kanye at a festival that he drops out on for the fans to then throw stuff at you in effect, basically saying they don't want you on the stage, they want Kanye. And then for Kanye to come on later because allegedly it was, he, he just appeared there and decided to perform last minute on flipping Dirk set and he performed one of the songs that him and Cuddy do together Father Stretch My Hands which is fucking horrendous to do man like real real big troll energy and I guess somebody here actually has a picture because I guess that's what I was wondering when I saw the thing I was thinking bloody hell whoever threw that bottle must have good aim and have a really good arm and somebody actually has an image of course because these flipping millennials and Gen Z kids are absolutely redacted they decided to film themselves throwing the bottle at Kid Cudi as he's on stage and honestly the accuracy is frightening because he's way way don't get me wrong he's at the front but there's still a far way to go for him to get that bottle all the way to the stage so he must have had to figure out a way to kind of keep a certain amount of liquid in a bowl so they had enough weight in it so it could fly but also it wasn't heavy enough so it could drop before it hit Cuddy. Really, really good aim. So this is the video of the kid throwing the bottle at Kid Cuddy. <laughs> That's a really good throw. <laughs> but to be fair, it's kind of Kid Cuddy's own fault. You don't go and st- he kind of goaded them and baited them into doing that, right? Like, I, you know, if someone throws one more thing on the stage, I'm walking off one more thing. And of course, if you're a kid, you know, the first thing you want, it's like when teachers tell you not to laugh in class, the first thing you do is laugh, right? Don't make another joke. Don't clap you. Remember back in school when you, people used to cough in assembly? <laughs> and people start coughing all over the place. And teachers have to like pause, you know, and stop everybody. Say, so one person, one more person coughs, you get in detention. And everyone kind of shuts up, but then everyone kind of does it all together, like cough, cough, cough. Do you know what I mean? It's fucking ridiculous, really, to be honest. But um, yeah, um, shout out to Cuddy. You know, thoughts and feelings go out to him, man. That must be fucking brutal to take a view of it up close as he's kind of storms off the stage. Um, 
And then, of course, someone tweeted what I basically explained about. So you're telling me that Kanye pulled out of Rolling Loud four days before, got replaced by Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi got booed off stage and then Kanye showed up anyway as a Dirk set and immediately performed one of the biggest songs he has with Cudi's chorus, with Cudi's chorus, Jesus Christ. And of course, this is the video of Kanye coming out for Dirk's set. And it looks like a really good performance. I love Kanye's flipping outfit or stage costume thing that he does if i feel like whenever cardi appears on stage nowadays with a rare exception he's always donning some sort of outfit some sort of costume in the likes of kind of his oh his other previous tour so i'm sure it's always a character he has in mind it's always a kind of um yeah it's a character some sort of thing that he's sort of kind of trying to imbue when he's on stage like he's turning it into a performance art piece so it's a real shame that he pulled out of Rolling Loud Miami because I would have liked to have seen what that stage would have looked like because if this was what he was going for he was essentially all painted in black and stuff with these great Yeezy I think gap glasses and this cool little outfit that he had on it would have been cool to have seen it done honestly I really would have cool to have seen it done the whole thing but it was pretty cool here Let me, let me mute it just in case I get taken off the YouTube. Actually, fuck it. Who cares? One incredible performance looking wise, isn't it? But yeah, um, Kanye and Drake look, Kanye and Dirk look really cool on stage. Dirk had his Mike and Mary outfit on head to toe, which looked pretty awful, I thought, in my opinion. Kanye performing looked fucking sick in that old black kind of ghostly outfit that he had on. It was really, really nice to see. But damn, man, Kid Cudi, man. Damn, damn, damn. Imagine being Kid Cudi at the back of all this. And, you know, the Royal Lad flipping um, explanation for it was a little bit Luke as well. It feels like they didn't really prioritize him or really give him any kind of explanation of what happened. And I'm sure he's probably going to be like, you know what, I'm never going back there again, which you completely, completely understand why he wouldn't want to go back there, to be completely blunt. Um, but yeah, big up Cuddy. <laughs> uh, sucks that it happened to you, especially considering all his mental health issues that he's had in the past and maybe continually ongoing. But the game is the game, in it? The game is the game. Um, yeah, this is what Kanye wore, actually. This is it. Um, I guess you can see he's painted, he's kind of covered in some sort of black paint or ash. He has this shrunken hoodie on, these lenses that go over his hoodie, as just up there, big boots and some pants on, you know, looking very, um, looking very apocalyptic in some way, shape or form. So I would have loved to have seen what the stage design would have been to tie into this whole affair that he had going on there. So yeah, big up Kanye, big up what happened over there. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully, um, Hopefully this isn't this isn't a, a thing that continues where kids decide where they they're gonna watch a show if they don't like what you're doing they just decide to kind of start chucking things at you on the stage you don't want that to see that happen but you know unfortunately it might be the case unfortunately it might be the case going forward it looks like things are never gonna change with us and as a society we've just gotten over the pandemic. Um, most of us are just continuing on with our lives as per normal and just pretending it doesn't exist, even though it does. And some people are still being admitted to hospital. Some people are still passing away from COVID. Some people are still suffering from low COVID complications. If that wasn't enough, there's now been this kind of uprising um, of flipping monkeypox cases happening all over the world, right? And for whatever reason, it seems to be attacking the queer LGBTQ gay scene more so than any 
other community out there. I'm not really too sure what the reason is behind it, but for whatever reason, it is a thing that's happening, even though a lot of the messaging out there has been a little bit um, rude, has been a little bit insensitive. You know, I think I saw like an advert recently where it clearly showed a line of clearly, you know, gay guys going to get checked up and basically said, hey, go get a checkup, which basically implied that only gay people should go get checked up, which isn't actually the case because there's plenty of other, um, you know, cases of people who aren't gay who've also caught monkeypox. But for the most part, for whatever the reason is, the majority of the cases need to be coming from that community. So call whatever it is, that's just, is what it is. But I don't know how these articles, courtesy of The Guardian, are actually constructive because we know it's happening to a certain sector of the of the of of the world of the population just address it for what it is and try and make them try and make it go away and basically cure and help people as opposed to fighting over the semantics nature of it and is it is it affecting us or not affecting us i think this article is really stupid but this is courtesy of the guardian and the title says saying monkeypox is tearing through communities of queer men isn't stigmatizing being afraid of it is being afraid to say it is Okay, cool. So I'd, I'd, I'd misread this. So he's agreeing with what I'm saying. So that's fine. So he's agreeing with what I'm saying in that regard. And obviously to move on, um, CNBC also said the same thing, said the World Health Organization recommends gay and lit bisexual men limit sexual partners to reduce the spread of monkeypox, which is grim, isn't it? To imagine if you're from that community of people, you already suffered through AIDS, yeah? And I remember what documentary I watched. I watched a certain documentary that basically said, that they think the reason why we're suffering for such a lack of like great art nowadays is because we lost so many amazing and talented gay men in the 80s when AIDS was kind of spreading all over the place, right? Especially in New York and stuff. We lost a lot of talented and very creative, forward-thinking people who probably would have contributed and added to the context and to the timeline of art that we're now experiencing nowadays. So we're basically suffering the, the ill effects of it now from all those years, which is a pretty interesting take, but also does make sense when you kind of read the obituary of the amount of people who basically were amazing forth-leading kind of characters in terms of art and culture in general who passed away of AIDS or complications with AIDS they continues it's the World Health Organization sorry about that on Wednesday recommended that gay men and bisexual men limit their number of sexual partners to protect themselves from monkeypox and help slow transmission of the rapidly spreading virus the monkeypox expert Rosamund Lewis said men who have sex with men are a group at the high risk of infection right now about 99% of cases are among men 99% of cases and at least 95 of those patients are men who have sex with men um, Chief Tender, Chief Tedros Ad Honeman, whatever that word is, said it's crucial for public health authorities to engage communities of men who have sex with men to reduce transmission of the virus and take care of those infected while protecting human rights by fighting stigma and discrimination. Now, the reason why I probably thought the article was saying this is because on my Twitter feed, I have a lot of people who are basically fighting over the stigmatization of it, the stigmatization of it, and basically, you know, trying to point out that it's not only a thing that's affecting gay men it's affecting everybody blah 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 that shouldn't really be the point of contrition here you should be thinking about it as a as an issue just to kind of get sorted out you don't want your friends to pass away you shouldn't be caring about all the fucking words and who's responsible who isn't responsible and who's blaming who's blaming who but you know this world we live in is fucking weird continues for men who have sex with men this includes the moment reducing our number of sexual partners considering um considering reconsidering considering sex with new partners and exchange contact the elders with new partners to enable flow follow-up if needed tedros called on social media platforms tech companies and news organizations to counter harmful mis misinformation which he said will only fuel 
the outbreak so i don't know what's going on in this world man we just recovered from the pandemic we're just about getting back to some semblance of normality and then bang we get head ahead of this i don't know if this is a constant reminder that the the kind of overlords that we have have always got us under their thumb i'm not sure if this is something that is basically a natural um consequence of going through one pandemic that you get a kind of another one that sort of kind of leads out of it i'm not really too sure either way if you're out there and you're gay and you're bisexual keep your head in the swivel be safe and don't take any chances that you don't need to because you just about recovered you just about recovered or got through the pandemic it'd be a crying shame if monkeypox got a hold of you it'd be a crying shame now this article courtesy of mixed mag i thought was fairly interesting especially the headline which says as follows both Gen Z and millennials claim to be going out less according to a study, which I immediately agreed with because from my own experience of actually going to nightclubs and being somebody that's obsessed with nightclubs and obsessed with dance music culture and obsessed with clubbing culture and a, a DJ in my own regard, who's been going out for you know many, many, many years, I've definitely noticed a change in the flow of people who are outside and who are doing the damn thing pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. For whatever reason post-pandemic there's been a complete dip in the people going outside now most of it could be tied with the pandemic because we're in a severe lockdown and i feel like a lot of the people who would have basically traveled to nightclubs more often and not you know due to tourism are basically staying at home now or going to neighboring countries and not deciding to travel away to london anymore we've also got a real decrease in a lot of people coming from other countries in europe who are making up the numbers or working within these industries and hospitality and shit and we were basically deciding to go back home during the pandemic and in general maybe just the fact that we're out of brexit which doesn't allow the free flow of some people to go in and out and shit especially artists coming from you know countries outside the uk that's might have affected you know the basically the amount of people that they can book for certain parties and certain events but i've definitely seen a downturn in people going outside and i think a lot of it has to do with as well put all that stuff to the side a lot of the kids here, the Brits, the people that are actually from, you know, the people that live here, the British people and the people that live here, I think for the most part, what's happened to them during the pandemic is that they've realized how to have fun without a nightclub. And once you do that, especially when I remember when I was a kid and, you know, we'd spend most of our time, this was like pre-smartphones, we spent most of our time just outside. And I can't remember what we did. If you told me now, what do we do spending, you know, we'd be out from like 6 p.m. to like sometimes 4 a.m. in the morning, just outside. We didn't go to a club. We hardly went to someone's house. We were just outside. If you try to tell me what I did, I couldn't tell you what it was, but we were just always out. And I think these kids have nowadays learned a way especially because you know they've got the option to just go home and be on their smartphone but they've also figured out a way to have fun by just being outside and just having fun with their friends and shit and doing whatever it may be so whether it's going to pubs whether it's going to parks whether it's hanging out in restaurants whether it's just walking around and taking pictures and shit and being fun a lot of the kids are doing that nowadays i've, I've cut, I followed a few people online who are you know little trendy kind of younger kids on telegram and shit that have these weird little blogs that they upload and share things on and a lot of the content i see of them is just them in parks walking around looking cool taking pictures doing little dances and shit on their tiktok and whatever it may be that's what they do so for them to do all that and be able to buy some drinks at the off license and buy some cheap drugs and smoke and do whatever they want without having to pay entry fee without getting searched why would you then submit yourself to go to a nightclub if you could do all that stuff outside and have family or friends because most of the fun of going to nightclubs 
is that experience of hanging out with your friends. Obviously, when you get to my age and you're a bit older and you have less friends that want to go to a nightclub, you tend to then go on your own a lot and hang out with a lot of people who are on their own or on small groups. But when you're first going to clubs and shit, what makes it fun or going to dance or what makes it fun is hanging out with your friends. Sometimes you can go to really shitty clubs and have the blast of a time because you're with a good group. So if that good group is in any other location but a club, you're still going to have fun anyway. So the clubs are kind of redundant to this Gen Z millennial type um, generation coming up nowadays, which is a real crying shame to be honest, but we continue. Keep Hush has shared findings from its community-led survey, You Going Out. The survey was recorded in May, asked a mixture of millennials and Gen Z about the experiences of clubbing post-pandemic. Both generations agreed that they were less interested in clubbing since the pandemic, with people noting that they can't convince mates to go out as well as that they prefer to stay in, which is 100% true. For me personally, I don't ever really ask anyone to go out because I don't really hang out with people. I'm a bit of a loner in that regard, and I tend to enjoy going out on nights out on my own and kind of finding new people and finding new connections and you know whatever it may be but i've even noticed on my own side of things the couple of people that i do t- sometimes go out with have completely cut down the amount of times that they go into nightclubs to basically only a, select, a few select events and a lot of it has come down to just being tired a lot of it has come down to just kind of nightclub fatigue a lot of it comes down to finances too because you know london night club nights are not cheap they range anywhere between like five pounds to 50 pounds depending on where you're gonna go and that's not including the drinks it's not including the drugs and so including the transport there the food the uber back it's a it's a pretty hefty amount of money you're spending every weekend even if you keep yourself sensible you could effectively spend 50 pounds every time you go to a nightclub which is not including anything else you're spending that week or in that month so you're going to having to add up a lot of money and the thing about london because it's one of the most popular nightlife cities in the world there's never a shortage of people coming here so it's not as if like next week there's going to be no event there's always a fucking event happening so you're always basically having to shell out money for tickets to go see people play regardless of, of, of where you go so that kind of puts people off in general and some people have just basically i feel like for the most part i know my generation people have done this they've kind of just grown out of it they've over going out climbing it's not something that's important to them anymore it doesn't necessarily it's not i felt like with a lot of people even with kids nowadays being edgy or being into said brand or being into said show or presenting yourself a certain way it's kind of like part of your personality Whereas, same with clubbing, right? You would imagine clubbing be part of your personality. That's somebody that drinks whiskey or likes coffee or likes working out. You put it all over your social media feed. Nowadays, I don't really see a lot of people doing that. I see a lot of my friends posting images of themselves in the bar, in the restaurant with some friends, eating out with some friends, going on holiday with some friends or family, hanging out with the dog, hanging out with the mum. There's a lot of like experience relationship personal interaction type things unless i'm in a club getting fucked up type of thing i see that more often than not and even if you see people getting fucked up i see them posting pictures of them in house parties because i know that's been a big thing that happened during a pandemic that kind of carried over post pandemic a lot of people swapped going to nightclubs for just hiring out airbnbs and basically throwing little parties for themselves and their friends not big ones that they invite people on but you just you, you hire an airbnb you order a bunch of drugs you buy a bunch of drink you put on a decent playlist and you just have some fun in the in the living room and then when everyone dies you watch some videos and then you just get someone to clean up and then bob's your uncle grand's your aunt and you duck out do you know what i mean that's kind of a solution that people are going with so maybe that's also been a thing people have just kind of grown out of it and basically swap different interests with different interests it continues results showed that 25 percent of gen z were interested in going out whilst 13 percent of millennials were up for a night out which keeps keep hush believe that it cannot which 
so sorry, 25% Gen Z were interested in going out, only 25, and just 13 millennials were up for a night out. So that definitely does um, re reflect in my friendship group, which makes Keith Hush believe that it could show that the pandemic brought forward some people's retirement from clubbing, 100%. Gen Z has also become less interested in drinking and drugs and blame financial concerns for lack of interest in going out. This I don't really, I don't really believe because I feel like a lot of the better nights out there, especially, what's another one? I don't want to name names, but there's a lot of really good club nights out at the moment from a real young generation who really get on it. They don't fuck around. They, they really enjoy drugs. They really enjoy getting fucked up in their kind of own little spaces they create. So I don't really, I don't think they take less drugs. I just think they just go out less, which might make them take less drugs, but they still do it in private, I still think. However, for ticket sales tonight, 25% of Gen Z and 31% of millennials are less likely to buy tickets in advance for an event. Um, same here. I've done it myself the last couple of weeks. I bought like three tickets for free events and I only went to one, the one I went to the other day in the E1. The other two, I just woke up in the day and just couldn't be bothered. Or I think it was just too warm. I just didn't want to be in a nightclub sweating my face off and stinking and shit. And I would have never crossed my mind previously. Previously, I've gone to nightclubs when it's raining, hailstorms. I would just go because I know once I get in, I'm going to have a blast. No weather would ever affect me. Sometimes not even sickness would affect me. So the fact that weather and it was too warm, it was too hot and I'm tired made me stay at home says a lot. Friends, and there's a quote here, it says, friends have said that they're less organized and uh, more spontaneous after the pandemic, which I agree with, which I've kind of been with. And I think every event, bar maybe a couple, there's always been a ticket available that you could buy on resale. And I don't really understand this whole like ticket advancing in the UK anyway does I guess if you're a promoter it's nice and I guess if you want to get future dates it's probably handy for you to make sure that you can get a lot of people to buy tickets in advance because it proves that you've basically um it proves it's kind of like a proof of concept right so the club owners could basically see oh wow you've definitely got a some sort of a draw people are going to come back out for your nights blah 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 but in general you don't need to buy tickets at all in advance you can most clubs you can rock up to on the door and get a ticket unless you say really unless you're in tickets only place i've seen where it's been different has been like alternative niche events which are mostly catered to the queer lgbtq kink scene type of thing because they usually do them in smaller venues and it's obviously a niche so a lot of people that go to those kind of events don't go anywhere else they want to go to a place where they feel safe so they're going to buy up all the tickets in advance and there's going to be none left on the door and usually on the door they're quite strict about who they let in because they want to remain a safe space but for the most part any other event i've seen there's an abundance of tickets that you can buy on a resale especially on apps like ticket swap a good example being houghton that i was meant to go to recently i bought a ticket to houghton festival for full price whacked it up on ra flipping resale so it sold but no so it hasn't sold i sold my possession ticket it hasn't sold and the amount of tickets that are available for how to now and ticket swap is absolutely nauseating especially considering how in demand those tickets were at one point especially when you know prior to it getting rescheduled and cancelled and shit let me just check for it now and see how much are available but last time i checked the how and tickets were in abundance going forward on there it was absolutely gross um and a lot of people do it all the time they buy tickets in advance they sell them all out because they want to go and then the date of the event happens and then they suddenly get cold feet and they're like oh, i don't want to go anymore and then the people that wanted to go at that time have basically changed their mind and did have a plan so you kind of fuck over you fuck over yourself and you fuck over everybody else it's really really annoying let me see if i can get up on here see how festival if they've got any if they've got any Houghton okay it's, there's no available on here is it here hmm. sandals Houghton okay maybe there isn't any I thought there would be more available at Houghton festival maybe, maybe I'm mistaken it then or maybe I spot it wrong Houghton festival so that's what it's called right hmm. 
Okay. Maybe it's not on there. But anyway, regardless, loads of tickets are always available um, after the fact now going forward. So it says continues. For reasons why they'd go to clubs, both generations similarly agreed that they want to hear good music, while Gen Z said it also serve, they also swerve more towards getting lit. One main difference between the age groups is Gen Z go out for a night with friends whilst millennials cared about a good venue. Definitely agree with that one. Um, I feel like a lot of Gen Z kids hang around with each other in groups and shit, like of more than four, whereas a lot of millennials tend to be out in groups of like one to flipping three. Do you know what I mean? It's a lot smaller, it's a lot, it's a lot, smaller, it's a lot tighter. I know for myself, I only go out on my own for the most part. It continues. Keep Hush says in their statement, the findings set out a complex picture offering no singular clear vision with better resources and help for others. We can take our investigation next level. The key takeaways, can, according to the club nights, uh, to to the club night are that promoters should make the most of Ravers' last minute mindset with club support um, to in advance when they can check out the findings below. So yeah, so effectively it goes to prove that you know something I've already known because I've been a promoter myself, right? Promoting is one of the hardest jobs in the world, especially in hospitality or events promotion, whatever it may be. It's incredibly difficult to get people to buy tickets for an event and to even turn up for the event and to buy drinks at the event and for the event to be successful and to break even not forget making money to break even is incredibly difficult and people that do do it on a high level should be applauded and if you do go to such events that people put on like your friends or whatever or just events that you like whatever support certain artists do your best to attend those do your best to support as much as they can because it's a really really hard job especially now in this climate that we're in now going forward but i also do like just to kind of be selfish i also do like the aspect that this new generation the gen z have kind of figured out a way to have fun without going to clubs have kind of figured out a way to have fun by just being outdoors that's one of the things i kind of bemoan about the uk in general we don't really have a good outdoor society which isn't really our fault because i think a lot of it has to do with the weather the fact that it's usually raining and windy and dark here all the time it doesn't necessarily cultivate or call for people to be resourceful and to be kind of um adapt to be kind of resourceful when it comes to enjoying yourself outdoors because when you go to countries like spain and shit the first thing you realize when you go to cities like Madrid and Barcelona is that they have an incredible outdoor culture, right? They have people just standing outside having fun in parks, on benches, on the beach, on street corners. There's lots of outside stuff going on. And the inside restaurant, clubby sort of stuff is like the last resort. Or maybe people go to an after hours in a club, you know, or maybe someone's house party later on. But a lot of it's, a lot of your time with your friends is spent outdoors just drinking and whatever it may be. And I like that this new generation of Gen Z have kind of figured out, have figured that out in the UK and have kind of made it work, even though they have loads of hurdles like parks closing at early at a certain time, police harassing you at certain areas, weirdos just annoying you. There's a lot of kind of, there's a lot of kind of um, hurdles you have to jump over and pitfalls you have to jump over and odd people you have to kind of avoid. But they figured it out and they made it work. And just and some of them have even figured out a way to set up their own club nights that effectively kind of cater to their own needs and promote it to their own little circle of people and niche and it's kind of been super successful. So I pro I applaud them for that also going forward. So it's all really a win 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 for everybody involved to be honest. I really, really do like and appreciate everything that they do. So um interesting findings. I'm not surprised by any of it and it just goes to show anyone putting on events and nights out that are doing something successful and doing great. They've really got the luck of the draw on them and you know support them any way you can really. Moving on talk about this quickly this is courtesy of ra 
regarding a fairly sad occurrence that's basically happened, I think, off the back of, I think, is it Crossbreed? I think it's called, is it Crossbreed? Um, I think it's Crossbreed. I think it is, because it Crossbreed. Yeah, it is Crossbreed. Um, Crossbreed basically um, announced that they've effectively uh, stopped doing their nights at RA, sorry, at, Flim at the Colour Factory. And if you're not aware, Crossbreed is essentially this really cool um, sex kick party that does these really cool events where essentially they allow people to be sexually liberated and free um, in their cool events that they host. They have like a little social they do where you can come and meet new people and kind of get engrossed in the community. I think actually the actual term, let me see how it says here. Um, the actual um, description of Crossbreed is here so I can actually just show, hey, read it to you without butchering what they're about. But essentially it says here, Crossbreed was born through a realization that almost everything good in this world materializes through collaboration in a society where we are expected to be able to know and do everything to ourselves we want to harness our creativity and play together our music is made collaboratively and our parties encourage freedom of expression and hedonism we believe in breaking down social constructs and stigmas we welcome open minds and respect and respect for others we have no tolerance for prejudice or bigotry or any kind consent is not just a word it's our right here we are all equal we welcome queerness individuality kink sex positivity love and kindness crosby is a platform for positive human interactions by kiwi i actually met this guy kiwi on the dance floor of Berghain, um whilst we were both trying to you know with some other people involved to um make sure some girl was okay because she looked like she was tripping her head off but she ended up being perfectly fine in the end but i actually bumped into him on a dance floor of Berghain once and he was actually a very pleasant and nice guy but unfortunately it looks like um they've had to stop doing their parties at the color factory i'm pretty sure because there's been a complete change in their approach from the local council where they do their parties at entire hamlets council and now they're organizing a protest i think it says here there's a courtesy of ra there's a protest to protect king spaces planned in east london today tower hamlets is meeting to decide whether to uphold or remove a non-unity clause from not whopping club e1's license which is pretty hectic, says here. Members of London's kink, leather and BDSM communities are planning a protest outside Tower Hamlets later today on Tuesday. Set for 6.30, the protest will co coincide with Tower Hamlets Council hearing regarding Whopping Club E1, which recently applied to have the non-nudity clause removed from its license. The council objected. Today's hearing will decide on its final outcome. Um, we have objected to the application to vary permission premises license to remove the non-unity clause as police informed us of a alleged sexual assault that took place in the venue. A spokesperson of the Tower Hamlets told RA, we have concerns that removing this clause may undermine the licensing objectives of public safety and prevention of crime and disorder. It's just they're making up these things just to kind of, you know, dumb out fun and just to drive most of these things underground because they effectively don't want it. As countries are full of people that don't want fun. Anyway, it continues. This isn't about discriminating against queer kink and sex positive communities. Yes, it is. Who hire these premises and on an ad hoc basis. It's about the management of the premises and the ability to keep customers safe within the boundaries of their license. Bullshit. The clause which cites a 1982 government act was brought to attention to E1 and enforced by the council in March. The dispute centers around um, to whom the clause applies. The council says it's the public and performers, while E1 says it's performers only. The alleged sexual assault took place at an event run by a fetish party, Torture Garden, in February. So essentially, they're punishing the entire King community for one incident that occurred at one party in February. Absolutely crazy. And if you think, for the amount of events that happen out there, especially for, for, the, for, for the amount of events, frequency, scale of events that happen in London on a weekly basis, for there to be one, one serious sexual assault that occurred in this sort of niche 
only in February is pretty incredible to be honest especially when you consider the type of parties that they do essentially kink and sex positive parties which are essentially people going out there and express themselves freely as they can with their sexuality so that's loads of skin loads of leather and loads of horniness going around right so the fact there's only one sexual assault in February and they're punishing everybody for it is absolutely ridiculous to be completely honest but it continues the council argues that anywhere with a light dress code or semi-nudity will ultimately lead to sexual assault come on this is like victim blaming to, to, to the key in it it's like saying if you go out on a short skirt and you get raped that you kind of deserved it this is bullshit Carl, the founder of chris fetish party um club of Elton told ra we don't see the link between someone's sense of fashion and their alleged incident i 100 agree um he's added we would much rather see an environment where we can all be honest and transparent about it and where we can provide infrastructure when things go wrong but unfortunately uk we don't like honesty and we don't like to talk like rationally like adults i still think a lot of this from what i remember might come from that one flipping rule change from back in the day in the acid house days right when they used to do these acid raves in flipping fields and shit i remember there was a story that i read on the podcast a while back that they must have thrown this acid rave somewhere in this crazy field somewhere in the middle of england that happened to be unfortunately on the lands of somebody pretty well to do in posh who had a connection with the tory government at the time that person complains to the tory government mp that they're friends with they then put in a law basically overnight that effectively banned any kind of outdoor gathering illegal one in that kind of realm or whatever it may be that kind of still had reverberations to what we're experiencing now so that one field party that one forest rave um on the on the land of somebody that's well to do effectively fucked us over for all these years and it still hasn't been changed to this day pretty crazy but i think that's the case and we're still feeling the reverberations of it now because you get the feeling especially when the lockdown happened it seemed like you know this government was flipping over the moon to close clubs even though it brings so much value to london especially when it comes to income and money and shit in the economy you know they, they were over the moon when they had to close clubs they really wasn't budging at all you know clubs were the first to close and some of the last to open some of them never opened to them Oh, I bit my tongue there. Anyway, continue. Since the clause was enforced in March, E1 has cancelled between 10 and 12 queer and kink nights, according to co-founder Yuval Hen. One of those nights was Club Verboten, which Carl confirmed has been taking place at another venue. That's another really popular one, actually, going up in London. There's quite a few in it here in the UK, actually. Um, but again, you know, they're quite a few, but then they can only operate in certain spaces. They have to, there's a lot of, I'd imagine a lot of these kink parties, they're not like the club events that I put on where you just hire a DJ, you get some decks behind, you know, a booth, whatever it may be. You maybe sort out the sound and that's it and you're ready to go. These are events where they have to do a lot of consulting and kind of conversation with the club owners, maybe educating the club security in terms of what to expect and how to treat their customers and partners when they come through the door to make it a flipping safe space. It's a lot of, it's a lot of a communication that goes on, a lot of liaising, right? A lot of kind of meetings, a lot of emails. So even though there's a lot of these parties in some way, shape or form, there probably aren't a lot of places that they can put their events on because a lot of people will, will probably be up for it. And you have to find spaces where you feel safe. So the fact that they can't go to E1 and E1 cancel 10 to 12 shows you that there's a real lack of, 
um, options in terms of where they can go and put these events on and make it feel somewhat safe. Um, Hent cancelled the event <coughs> because of the new restrictions placed on entry. Under the current rules, door staff will be required to determine the birth sex of every attendee. Jesus. So as to rule out any nudity inside. For example, someone assigned female at birth would have to cover their nipples or be denied entry. Who am I to come to a person and ask them to take their top off and determine whether they're a man, a woman, or trans, or non-binary, or whatever, and whether they're risking it my license at hen? It's ridiculous, and I agree. According to Carl, part of the problem is the 1982 Act only considers two binary sexes, male and female, which is absolutely unworkable, highly discriminatory, and he added, if you're not cis male, you're fucked. Man, this society we live in, this, like, this, for all the advances that we have, we're still living in a fucking dark age, isn't it? God almighty. And to think, a lot of cl- some some could argue a lot of the best versions or the best aspects of club culture have basically spurned from the queer LGBTQ um, non cis male side of things, right? That's where all the goodness has come from, and for whatever reason, they are the communities that are also getting discriminated at the most, right? It's absolutely heinous. If the council wins the clause and the clause remains, Ewans will have to completely stop hosting Queer and King Nights. Carl added, saying it would be it wouldn't be right to continue running Club Verboten at E1. The same goes for any other clubs and venues in Tower Hamlets. If it goes through Club Verboten gone. The backstreet's gone. Crossbreed gone, says Carl. So within a week Tower Hamlets just lost all the kink and queer ham queer communities and London Knights are Amy Lammy is nowhere to be seen. Amy Lammy. How does she still have a job? And when does, if somebody knows in the comments down below, I'd love to find out, man. How does this lady still have a job? She got, a, she got the, she got the, she got the job of the century in terms of being the London Knights are and looking after all things London nightlife. She has absolutely minuscule experience about running club nights and knowing anything about London nightlife and how to, you know, the problems that are, are in it, how to accurately address them, knowing some of the people that are involved in it, the stakeholders, all this stuff. She's completely clueless. She's Canadian too. Shouldn't matter, but come on, let's let's be honest. It's a pretty bullshit. I mean, you know, she's a British citizen. She's still Canadian. It's fucking garbage. And off the back of it as well, she's kind of, it feels like hesitant to get involved for whatever reason. I'm not sure if it's a political thing. Maybe it's a political thing. Maybe it's just her not knowing what she's doing. But even when the stuff was happening with Fabric, she was very hesitant to get in, get herself involved and kind of throw her hat in the ring and say something, you know, to support what was going on and to basically lend a hand or to explain something. It was very, very reluctant until, the, until you know, the, the ban on Fabric finally got, you know, I think whatever the, 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 the risk of it closing was kind of alleviated. Finally, Amy Lammy kind of popped out of the woodworks and started talking more. But she's been very, very timid in her approach and anything going forward. And you haven't really heard much about her. And the thing that's annoying about it is that I remember the time when she got hired as a, as a night star. They also announced at the time that they were either copying it from Amsterdam, Holland and Amsterdam or Amsterdam and Holland were also launching at the same time. But I, whatever I remember, whoever the Knights are is for Amsterdam, he was doing mad stuff. Like he was at the forefront. He was talking about nightlife all the time. He was pushing for certain things, fighting back against certain things. Like he was really out there, like talking a lot about it. And it felt like he was really engrossed in the community, blah, 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 blah. And it was a real contrast between how he was going about the job and how she was going about a job. It was very like, she was going about a job, like essentially like a politician, um, just cashing in the check and not really doing much. And he was really trying to make a change in the short time he had available. And I really do wonder, is this Night Czar job linked to being... Um, linked to Sadiq Khan because he's the one that basically implemented the Night Czar as part of him being mayor of London? 
or is this a position for life because she seems to still be there maybe because Sadiq Khan is still there hopefully when we get a new mayor she changes but is this a role that you get for life that you don't ever give up or is this a role that changes based on who the mayor is because this is fucking absolutely heinous that she's still the night star and absolutely doing nothing to help anything when it comes to nightlife and you know um, any kind of threats towards venues closing or changing in restrictions or policies whatever like when when everything went down with Dalston she was nowhere to be found either just a complete nothing burger when it comes to that sort of stuff but um, let me go back to the article um, both Carl and Hen said their fight won't end tonight if the council wins I will I will take them all the way to the high court at Hen as for the protest Carl said he expects around 300 people to show up in rubbering gear outside Tower Hamlets July 26th a piece about the updated mentioned the torture okay cool so I, I, I want to know what actually happened in the end anyway did they um did they win or did it actually go go through i really wonder what actually happened let me see if i can find out because i'm actually curious to see if this actually changed club the boat and let's see if they if actually anything actually happened because that's a crying shame if we lose all those amazing queer and again those nights are great because what it does is that it kind of offers up another avenue for people who are into that kind of stuff to go like a safe space that they can kind of go and attend um and obviously they can just cultivate their own little community that is outside of the kind of conventional nightclub dance music industry type thing which i think is fucking awesome um let's see what do we do here they did protest already it says here through the instagram account updated 10 hours ago what does it say here pressed uh fighting said class thank you so much for docketing for the article on vice so yeah there's an article on vice that showed them all protesting and stuff which is great to see really really amazing to see actually protesting outside tower hamlets making their voices heard so what actually happened in the end did they did did, did they win the protest did it not go through what was the walls okay let's see if they got any Let's see here. Loads of screenshots here from the protest itself. People taking pictures and making their voices heard. In rubber, we trust. In tower hammocks, we don't. I like that article. I like that sign. Very well put together, sir. Safe king spaces. Yeah, loads of good shit. Let's see what protesters are fighting back. What actually happened anyway? Let me see if I can get any actual concrete news about it uh tower hamlets kink king kink let's see what happens here uh two days ago what happened did this just an update here protect here 16 hours ago they find back to say king space to 16 hours ago okay no idea what happened no idea what the ruling was but hopefully it did change things going forward this is the article that everyone's kind of referencing in their instagram stories and stuff protesters are fighting to save king clubs i'll add the link to the profile so to the description if you want to check out yourself and you can kind of get some background information on what's going on and how you can help or how you can support from far do, 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 do what's next here let's move on many things to talk about here oh, what's we gonna talk about here let's move on what let's talk about here oh it's, it's pretty good isn't it 
So this is this is kind of extended the whole club conversation. This is courtesy of Hypebeast, and it says here Louis Vuitton unveils its pre-spring 2023 Fall in Love collection, inspired by the late great David Mancuso from the legendary Lost Parties in New York. Now the first thing that strikes me about it is because again I'm a obsess when it, I'm an obsessive geek when it comes to um, the history of club culture. Um, dance music and all that malarkey and I've seen many many pictures of the heady days of the loft parties that David Mancuso used to do where he used to have these amazing balloons kind of you know hoisted up into the air um, just in these great airy spaces which was really bizarre there's loads of light days to come through not really dark and shit and there was a lot of and they used to basically just have one turntable playing great records on a really amazing sound system very different from what you see now there's not a dj mixing two things but from what i can remember it was always a one turntable and you just be kind of you know treating it more like a like a music bar like how they have like in japan and shit right where they have like these bars where you can basically play records on really great sound system but it's not about mixing just about playing one great record after the other and all the pictures of it are always kind of um i've always got this kind of shimmery kind of cloudy effect on it something similar that you'd maybe see to like in a, a mariah carey video so i like that they kind of recreated that with louis vuitton and i would imagine um with virgil abloh R.I.P. being an obsessive about club culture too and being a DJ himself, he probably was the one that maybe spurned this idea um, because he really, really was... Um obsessed with kind of tying music to everything that he did do you know what i mean it's basically in his dna especially when you consider his um previous work they did with kanye but he really was obsessed with kind of looking into club culture getting into the weeds of it and really kind of engrossing himself in every element of it so it wouldn't surprise me if this is something that he basically started off the the nexus of the idea and maybe he didn't finish it maybe it was something that he finished but regardless it looks fucking gorgeous man really really good um and it looks like I'd imagine everything in this collection is inspired by that DJ culture and also would serve DJs and clubbers alike. So you'd imagine the pockets on some of these jackets are big enough to put some headphones in it, you know what I mean? To put a, to put a bag in it, whatever it may be. The bags are big enough to put some vinyl in it. The bags double up as good bags to carry around with you, to put on your back, have a hood on it if it's raining and shit. So all that kind of good stuff happens. But I love everything about this collection. Really, really nice um pre-spring collection and actually it's a probably a better idea of doing a pre-spring sort of like resorty type collection in between seasons because most of those collections i feel like are always kind of fillers but if you want to really maybe because you can afford it if you're like a brand or like a house like louis vuitton it makes more sense to kind of make all these kind of in between seasons and be a bit more conceptual and kind of just have it and be like a theme and have it kind of just so essentially it could be like hiking next time whatever it may be it does have to tie into the overall vision of the brand but it could just be like a set little theme do you know what I mean just to kind of give it a little bit of respite from the overall stuff that goes on the runway and to kind of change it up a little bit um that might be a good thing and especially for them going forward because they don't have Virgil anymore it might be a good idea to maybe have this be outsourced and then have the main collection designed by the design team and then this kind of always you know be kind of lent out to creative collaborators of his in the past friends and family whatever you know admirers people that might have have some sort of design links to him whatever it may be i think that might be a good way going forward but i do like everything in it to be honest from suits to jeans um, some of the jeans here, the styling tips here, the jeans kind of stuck stuffed in there to the uh, sock. Some great bags, of course, there, which are really nicely done. But yeah, very, very, very well put together, man. I like everything about this collection. 
very very nice this look here number 14 might be one of my favorites um and yes yeah, some of the sunglasses are always incredibly well done as well something virtual don't get enough credit for doing actually loads of really great sunglasses and you know accessories probably even stronger than some of the actual ready-to-wear pieces to be honest but like even this look here this red one is fucking sublime in it not sure about wearing a towel next to a nightclub but i still like it regardless the text is as follows um, built upon Virgil Zabla's belief that function of a DJ is akin to that of a designer Louis Vuitton has unveiled a pre-spring 2023 Fall in Love collection. The couple uncovering range explores how DJs and designers sample established genres to create sounds and looks that resonate with the outlooks of the new generation. Drawing inspiration from the legendary New York love parties of David Mancuso, popularly considered the first DJ ever who passed away, I think only a couple of years ago, I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken. It's important to note the pre-spring collection was conceived by Virgil Abloh before his untimely death. Yo. R.I.P. Virgil, man. Virgil's a fucking go. This man has designed stuff into 20... That's going to be on sale in 2023 and going forward. Or 2023. That's how much work that he put down. And some of us, myself included, complain about, you know, editing clips, uploading clips, tightening clips, making thumbnails, um, preparing mixes, um, setting up a live stream making zines printing t-shirts like i complain about all that nonsense stuff like this guy was operating on the highest of highest levels pumping out stuff on his literal deathbed was able to put forth stuff that would live far beyond the time that he was going to be around like ridiculous and i would imagine part of his reason of doing it wasn't because he knew he was going to pass away soon it was just something that he did anyway it wasn't like he was doing anything more like even though i i, I think most of us would agree we did see a shift in virgil's output in terms of him going to gear five it within the last what four years or so it was still nothing dissimilar to what he did prior when he was doing been true he was still operating on gear three gear two he was still cranking out more stuff than more people ever did you know i mean the flyers like the amount of flyers he did for the amount of appearances and dj sets he did is fucking insane i hope somebody put together an archive of all these flyers the amount of t merch and t-shirt ideas that he did for every little pop-up and activation thing he did was completely insane too like he did a lot of shit every done stuff on the side like the designs consultation and you know whatever stuff that he did for clients like hood by air back in the day that's also wild and he had all that stuff in the in the flipping canister and it's all now going out to the public now and it's going to be in stores in 2023 ridiculous ridiculous level of output that's that's basically i think virgil abloh's legacy forget his work so forget that he's actual the finished product but just his work ethic and he's a, and i think mostly his attitude as well because I, I remember listening to an attitude so listening to an interview with um alpha car the guy that's got all the cars and stuff that hangs around him and hangs around the people that are in that kind of community and crew and he was talking basically he's said it many many times about how humble virgil was right humble 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 and i guess people said a lot about him because they all know other friends of theirs in that industry or themselves who are absolute cunts and i've known bumped into a few of these guys coming up in the scene myself and they're not the nicest people which you understand why you know the kind of adults who've essentially got given the keys to the castle and they kind of get indulged by brands and they get paid crazy amounts of money for things that most of us can do because we're all kind of obsessed and love the same things it's not like they're getting paid to do anything dissimilar than what we would know how to do as well so there is a level of there's a level of enabling that happens with it but for the most part a lot of those guys don't have the greatest of attitudes which is understandable but also unpleasant so when they all say that thing about humble it's something that they can't believe because Virgil's at the, he's at the top of the mountain and he's still able to to be 
human. He's still able to be cool and chill and have a chat and not be all up his own ass. And that really does make a big difference. So I think his legacy should be, long lasting legacy should be his, his work ethic and his attitude. It really should be because it's insane that this man still has all this work getting, you know, produced on the highest level for us now, way, way past his passing. It's just insane. It really is insane. Um, what you call it? Um, the parties were telling of an era dominated by civil rights and counterculture, from anti-racism to gender equality and LGBTQ plus movement. Virgil drew inspiration from Mancuso's transformative practice of playing records from beginning to end, and this continuing evolution of dress codes to promote ideas of anti-prejudice and egalitarianism. Louis Vuitton pre-spring Fall in Love collection develops a complete wardrobe underscored by a sense of dynamic wearability. The range effortlessly comes between, so it moves between contemporary takes on traditional tailoring outwear styles, the streetwear elements come from an opt art optical print and the interprets and monograms of LV and musical graphics that adorn the shirts. Footwear expressions include a blue suede, sorry, a suede chucker boot, a square-toed loafer marked by a foam sole and a Monogram decorations, softer dancing shoes in Oxford styles, while carrying styles in two ranges. The denim is a tan contrast stitching and Turillian denim line and record canvas lines, which would present monogram with the archive Louis Vuitton notebooks. Take a look at the collection above. Ridiculously good, ridiculously, ridiculously good. So yeah, um, big up Louis Vuitton for still putting this stuff out, even in his passing. And R.I.P. Virgil, long live Virgil, for absolutely being a beast when it comes to the output, man. Like that's crazy, 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 legitimately crazy. One absolute genius, one absolute talent. Um, gone but never forgotten. Gone but never forgotten. Next on this, I want to talk about kind of interestingly enough is this article is this um news article courtesy of hypebeast again regarding brain dead's interesting collaboration with a company called dem skates who of course produce skates and it's got me thinking in general in the uk and i guess in london specifically where i am at and in other cities i've been to like berlin there's been some for some reason i'm not sure why there's been a real uptick in people rollerblading and roller skating in general a lot of roller skating happening especially here in the uk in london loads of roller rinks opening up loads of people going to places like um the olympic uh park or whatever it's called in stratford and skating around places i see people doing it in white city also but anywhere where there's kind of a big concrete space a lot of kids are going out and skating around the circles and i know in certain shopping malls around london as well that are abandoned or certain shopping malls that close after a certain time the shops but they still keep open in terms of people passing through them a lot of people also go to those spaces and basically skate all hours of the night and all that good stuff and for the most part I'm not really a fan of it. Being a lifelong skateboarder, and I've always kind of looked down on people that inline skate because I always thought it was G-A-Y and I always thought it was ridiculously easy compared to skateboarding because you essentially got two skates strapped to your feet and you could essentially perform tricks easier than you could, you know, you could, easier than you could perform tricks on a skateboard to you know to to be able to ollie up and down let alone ollie up and down curbs it's far harder to be able to jump down a curb or learning how to stop it's not even comparable and also i found that a lot of skaters were really kind of i don't know they had a real um dicky kind of energy about them anyway in general so i just completely hated it for the most part i kind of regarded them as like the bane of my life especially when you go to a skate park i kind of hate them even more so than bmx riders but 
over the last few months have kind of softened my stance a little bit, especially with some of the corny skaters you see out and about in London who are doing all these weird shapes and dancing and wearing on purpose like 80s attire and, you know, really funky retro clothing and stuff. It's just really cringe. But part of me has also kind of stepped back and rolled back my kind of, you know, skepticism about it in general. Because a lot of these people that are out there skating are adults, right, who generally probably wouldn't be outdoors performing any kind of cardiovascular exercise if it wasn't involved in skating so the fact that people are outside anyway skating in the best in the sun outdoors meeting new people learning a new skill and just being outside instead of on their phone indoors all the time is quite good because in general when you skate you can't exactly be on your phone similar to skateboarding you kind of have to engage in the act that you're doing so it kind of takes you away from being in front of a screen you know either it's your laptop or your phone that's a good thing and you get to go outside and breathe some fresh air. So that's a definitely a good thing, especially in a country like the UK where, you know, the obesity levels aren't necessarily a good thing or aren't in a good place. So I'm kind of softening my stance to the whole skating thing because people are generally going outside and being humans again. And I really do like this Brain Dead and Dem Skates collaboration. So much so that I'm actually considering getting a pair myself, which is kind of... Uh, goes against everything i stand for but i really really do like these they really do look absolutely cool and it's funny because this for me proves how important these kind of collaborations are in general in streetwear and just in fashion and in life in general because what they do is that they introduce two different customer groups or they create an entirely new one like someone like myself who kind of didn't really care about skates but before but because i trust a brand like braindead and i love you know everything that they do carl eng is a real you know genius and what he does i've met him like maybe a couple of times here and there from previous work stuff that i've done and i kind of like how he carries himself i like what he's done with the brand and i forgot the other guy as well that he runs it with but they're fairly decent dudes and shit and because i trust the brand i immediately trust the interest that they're into and it kind of makes me curious to kind of look into it i might not be a fan of it but they at least make me consider it and now that I've seen the skates themselves, start in you know adorned in this really wicked kind of marbly print, and then the, the the inline skates are just kind of without the little grind bit. I don't know what they call it. If you how do you do differentiate them? But essentially, it's a, the same skate boot, but one shoe has the inline skate, and one shoe has the kind of you know what do you call it? X Games grinding sort of set of wheels like that, which are white, and they have the little kind of grind bit in the middle. But yeah. Even that picture too, denim shorts with the studded belt, like skaters are so GAY, they're such a corny outfit, but I like them, man. There's something about them that I like. There's something about that I like. There's something about that I'd wear. And I'm legitimately considering getting a pair. I think they're like $399 or some shit. And I think I actually might get a pair just for the look. And just to get back out skating again. And look, that's the pair that I'll probably end up purchasing. The ones with the smaller wheels and the little bit there where you can grind on stuff. Because I actually enjoyed skating a lot when I was younger. Um, I'd do it here and there. But mostly I stick to skateboarding. And I'd usually skate in, you know, in flipping secret. But I got really good at it really quickly. Um, I probably took to skating like this quicker and easier than I did to flipping skateboarding. It took me way easier to learn how to grind, to learn how to jump up curbs, jump down curbs, you know, spin, whatever it may be. Um, that's all really tricks I could do, go backwards and shit. I could do all that stuff really quickly as opposed to learning how to drop in to ollie to kick flip to heel flip to pop shove like that took me fucking it and even till now i still can't do some of those tricks so i don't know man i think i might have to get back on the skating vibe what do you guys think in the comments down below i'd love to hear what your feels thoughts and feelings are should i get back into skating is it gay still but i really do love these brain dead and dem skates roller skates collaboration i think they're fucking amazing let me read the text to you quickly 
It says Carl Eng's brain dead is in this element as it follows up with Vans collaboration and the vibrant five finger guitar with the release of his Dem Skates collaboration. Founded by John Julio, Dem Skates is an offshoot brand from Dem Goods, an independently owned label with its roots in rollerblading and skateboarding. Okay, no idea what they're about. Let me see what Dem Goods are about. I've never heard of Dem Goods or Dem Skateboarding, but I love the fact that they're collaborating with these independent companies, man, that are putting together these cool things. Because back in the day when we used to buy our skates, we used to get them from fucking Argos. Do you know what I mean? And Littlewoods and Sports Direct and shit. So these kids are making their own fucking skateboards and stuff. It's fucking cool. I'm not going to lie. Um, let me see if I can get... Can't just put the... Okay, you can't put that, so... Loads of skates there, as you can see. Let's see if they've got any skateboards and shit. I can't see the skateboards. Where's the skateboards? They got shoes and boots and trousers, but I don't see any skateboards here. I wonder if the pants that they make too are skate specific, where they've got like a real big um hot, a real big um kind of a pant hole or something to fit over the boots. I wonder if that's a thing, or if they just make the pants similar to any other pant. I wonder. I, I guess it would be a thing, right? If you're skating, you want you want your pants to fit a certain way. Um, but yeah, the match looks pretty decent in general, right? The logo looks pretty cool. Dem Dem. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not mad at that. To be honest, I'll actually rock the fuck out of this jumper. Hera Gray. Um, shame it's not a Wrangler sleeve, but this looks fairly decent. Anyway, continuing on the article. Um, for the collaboration, Brenda takes Dem Skates. 800 millimeter big wheel frame and applies a signature aesthetic all over branded wheels and a brown and baby blue colorway that sees a tpu impact resistant plastic ufs street skating frame sport a yellow fiery pattern throughout it looking like a bit of a special edition vinyl record if anything combining on a pair while demskates branding is embossed on the uppers baby blue laces and black synthetic padding coinciding with the launch the label's premiering dear audrey a video premiere and skate release that will air at Brand the studios on Fairfax in Los Angeles. Um, so yeah, they're available now for three nine nine on this website, as you can see here. Um, there they are. They come in sizes excess to large, which is interesting. So I guess it's a size range. I'd be as large, of course, eleven to eleven US. So they'd be pretty decent to check out and wear. I'm actually curious to get a pair. I really would love to get a pair. I'm not gonna lie. I actually would wear the fuck out of it and see what it's about. I'm really really interested to wear one. I really was obviously get that large pair that looked that was fucking banging three nine nine not too bad in that shop I'm actually consider getting them when I get paid they actually look pretty decent not mad at all not mad at those at all next on the list here what else do we have uh, moving on let's see what else we want to talk about buh, 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 buh. not that not the moment not this not the oh, let's move on that one. We did this already. Yeah, it's a waste of it. So, this is courtesy of um, Twitter and courtesy of Adam Mosseri, who happens to be the what's his role? If I over of his name here, his role is do, 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 head of Instagram. So, um, it looks like Instagram over the last couple of years or maybe a few months has effectively turned into a clone of TikTok. TikTok is absolutely dominating when it comes to kids using smartphones and social media platforms not even kids i think most people are addicted to tiktok even if you're not creating t content on there the apps the app in terms of using it and have making it be a time sink so you can browse new bits of information and new bits of entertainment is absolutely brilliant how they do the feed how they cultivate everything is really really well done and it's absolutely taken over so i guess most social media platforms are panicking and they want to obviously regain our attention and have us be on their apps a lot so a lot of them are effectively adopting a lot of the tiktok success stories and features and 
of stuff and implementing on their own platform like most startups do most startups don't really innovate they just copy what their competitors do and try to do it better in order to kind of you know um, get more customers or get more users to use their app or their service whatever it may be but instagram is pretty unique and i felt as if all these years instagram the whole point of instagram was to share beautiful pictures but for whatever reason now especially with a new update that i have it's essentially turned the entire feed of your instagram into a tiktok like platform it doesn't even have the separation of the posts it's all kind of one flow of content stream like a fucking river and, and you can't really delineate between posts that are coming from your friends and posts that are coming from randoms like as i've got on here on my instagram profile right um as you can see here right it's just like a i don't know if you can see on here as i put my phone up onto the screen but essentially it's just one long feed of videos and videos and effectively adam mosiri who got on twitter so he got on twitter recently and effectively confirmed the news after it went viral that the update happened and it's completely horrible and it just takes away from the pleasure of using um uh instagram he then responded to what i felt like was a bit of a viral post i think from kylie jenner he basically retweeted the page i was basically saying make instagram instagram again and he basically got in front of the camera and tried to explain away the reason why they are going towards the whole video side of things and his explanation was full of bullshit but it also is kind of sad and a bit of a confirmation that instagram is basically over and we'll basically just have to put up with it or just move on to another platform very rarely in these type of cases do any of these sort of protests with us online and our kind of you know moanings and stuff will really change anything i don't think so i think it's going to go the way it's going to go and we're just going to have to either keep up with it or just invent a new platform or find a new another platform to kind of use but this is adam mosseri the head of instagram explaining why instagram is effectively turning into tiktok and why we don't have any other option but to kind of put up with it and shut up there's a lot going on on Instagram right now. We're experimenting with a number of different changes to the app. And so we're hearing a lot of concerns from all of you. So I wanted to take a few moments and clarify a few things. One is, if you're seeing a new full screen version of a feed or you're hearing about it, know that that is a test. It's a test to a few percentage of people out there. And the idea is that a more full screen experience, not only for videos, but for photos, might be a more fun, engaging experience. But I also want to be clear, it's not yet good. And we're gonna to have to get it to a good place if we're gonna ship it to the rest of the Instagram community. The second thing I'm hearing a lot of concerns about right now are photos and how we're shifting to video. Now, I wanna be clear, we're gonna to continue to support photos. It's part of our heritage, you know, I love photos. I know a lot of you out there love photos too. That said, I need to be honest. I do believe that more and more of Instagram is gonna become video over time. Even if we change nothing. We see this even if you just look at chronological feed. If you look at what people share on Instagram, that's shifting more and more to videos over time. If you look at what people like and consume and view on Instagram, that's also shifting more and more to video over time. Which is not true. Effectively what they're doing, because they don't give you an algorithmic, because they don't give you a feed that's chronological and it's only based on your friends list and they sort of throw these other posts at you that don't have anything to do with you and are based on your quote-unquote interest most of those things that they're posting or giving to you are videos most of the things i get that get shared that get shared to me in my dms are videos that people have found online and stuff for reels or whatnot and it's no surprise that those are the ones that are being shared the most because instagram themselves are the ones that are pushing those the most or rewarding the content creators or the users of the accounts with those posts more because there's a clear difference between posting a picture on instagram and getting 100 likes and posting a video on instagram and getting 20,000 plays you clearly see where the 
where the sort of algorithm is favoring what kind of content so clearly if you're somebody you're smart and got your head on correctly you're going to keep continuing feeding the algorithm so you can effectively get your little dopamine hit of knowing people are looking at your stuff and hopefully that will kind of boost your profile get your followers up whatever that you think that you want to get out of instagram you get out of it but it's not rewarding pictures which is why i think you're seeing a lot more people especially on my feed i've noticed a lot of habits of people uploading a lot of like slideshows and having the first image the first bit of content be a video right i'm seeing a lot of people doing a lot more reels and now going forward i've heard it does if this is true but effectively every video you upload on instagram is essentially a reel they don't even let you upload a video just to put on your feed because before if you put a video in your if you uploaded a video that was more than 59 seconds it would immediately make it real now they're basically making any video you upload on your profile to be a reel. So they especially, which is a reel is basically Instagram's version of TikTok, which they're trying to now integrate into the feed. So I'd imagine there's going to be a future where there's going to be no reel. There's going to be no, dif there's going to be no different, no, um, no delineation between um, a reel and a post. Maybe you'll see on your end when you're uploading, but when you're searching for someone's account, you won't have the different, you know, on someone's account, like on mine, I'll show you, like on my account, you have this thing <clears throat> on my account that shows you like the the square that see even this is different yeah see it even changes it it shows you the square here right the kind of play button and then you also see that little squarish kind of button i've got on my thing so the play button shows you all the videos i've got on my account on my thing right and the other one shows you just all the post so i think even going forward you're going to see a lot of um you can see a lot of integration between posts and videos. So there'll just be it'll just be one thing. So if you have a lot of posts, you'll be a post, you'll be a little video, a little video, but it will just kind of show them all in one feed, which is really disappointing to be fair. Know that that is a test. It's a test. Know that that is a test. It's a test. Let's go back. I want to be clear. We're going to continue to support photos. It's part of our heritage. You know, I love photos. I know a lot of you out there love photos too. That said, I need to be honest. I do believe that more and more of Instagram is going to become video over time. We see this even if we change nothing. We see this even if you just look at chronological feed. If you look at what people share on Instagram, that's shifting more and more to videos over time. If you look at what people like and consume and view on Instagram, that's also shifting more and more to video over time, even when we stop changing anything. So we're going to have to lean into that shift while continuing to support photos. The third thing I want to talk about is recommendations. Recommendations are posts in your feed from accounts that you do not follow. The idea is to help you discover new and interesting things on Instagram that you might not know even exist. Now, if you're seeing things in your feed that are recommendations that you're not interested in, that means that we're doing a bad job ranking and we need to improve. And you can X out a recommendation. You can even snooze all recommendations for up to a month or go to your following feed. But we're gonna to continue to try and get better at recommendations because we think it's one of the most effective and important ways to help creators reach more people. We wanna do our best by creators, particularly small creators, and we see recommendations as one of the best ways to help them reach a new audience and grow their following. Now, this is a lot of change all at once, but know that a number of things about Instagram are gonna stay the same. We're gonna stay committed to creators more broadly. We're gonna stay committed to supporting photos. We're gonna stay in a place where we try and put your friend's content at the top of feed and the front of stories whenever possible. But we're also gonna to need to evolve because the world is changing quickly and we're gonna to have to change along with it. And some of the replies obviously underneath were flipping crazy. Um, this person says your obsession with TikTok is embarrassing. Another person says it sucks right now, stop trying to be TikTok. I don't wanna make videos. And this says, yes, we can't 
um, another person says, why can't we, why can't apps put focus on one thing? I just started with photos, stay with photos. If I want to look at photos, I go to IG. If I want stupid videos, I go to TikTok. I hate each platform, just trying to follow the other. Um, another person says, stop showing men sh me shopping posts on my discovery page. Give us the option to turn off recommendations completely, which I agree, which I'm never going to do because essentially that's their big money earner. Um, stop forcing people to make reels and suppressing photo posts. People are posting slideshows to game the system and it sucks, which is just what I said before. And people are basically doing that in order to kind of get away with um, posting a video and also posting a post at the same time. Instagram is terrible now. I hate the weirdly bubble form, right? The reels, the endless ads for candy. It's supposed to be photo shows as they are posted not three days later how about we do that again another person says i don't want to watch videos on instagram period i don't want to make videos all i want is to scroll through pleasant photos and any data have um and any data you have saying otherwise is because product changes intruded on my creation exactly they're saying if you want to watch videos but then they only push videos to you it's like fucking crazy another person said the shifting to videos of adam because you're all prioritizing rules and creators just make just make to make rules just stop Chrissy tegan says we don't want to make videos adam and adam actually replied to Chrissy tegan of course she's a big celebrity and he said if you don't want to make videos it's better not to what i want is an instagram that is about photos who prefer photos and is about videos for who prefers video but that's not true though even if you create your platform to like only pictures they'll still keep pushing fucking videos of someone making some fucking pasta dish to you all the time it's fucking annoying um but um, okay, yeah, and someone here, the Kylie Jenner comment said, it took Kylie Jenner less than a day to reach you while you we've been ignored for months and years, which is true. I do remember on the Instagram subreddit, there was a lot of people complaining about Instagram and saying how it was throttling posts and it was going to shit. And I thought they were being really dramatic. And in, in the last few months, I've actually recognized everything that they were talking about a couple of years ago has actually come to pass. So everyone on the Instagram subreddit, give yourself a pat on the back. You guys were on point from the minute one. Another point says you're pushing videos and suppressing photos. That's why people are adjusting what they post and we can only engage with what we see. Respect photographers, which I definitely agree with me being a photographer myself. Now, on the flip side of things, to put my kind of Gary V head on when it comes to social media and adapting and stuff, I'm actually going to try going forward to try to implement more videos in my post as a in my feed as opposed to posts that I like to upload. So when I like to upload my picture, my 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 post of books I'm reading or a, a picture of a club I'm at or where I'm going or a workout, I'm going to do more videos and obviously try to mix it up a little bit and see what happens in terms of my overall platform because i feel like i've stagnated too on my instagram i'm sitting on like 2000 something followers i feel like i should have way more than that um especially for the level of person who i am and the stuff that it put out there but again i don't really post much on instagram but anyway i should i'm gonna try and see if that actually does anything going forward and if we and if i can actually surf the instagram algorithm that they kind of have going on at the moment because i feel like there is a there is a bit in me that still feels like social media is always ever changing and evolving whatever you should do 10 years ago shouldn't be working now anyway because that means the platform is stagnating and you should be constantly evolving like tiktok creators and how they put content together is a completely different language to how you put together content on instagram but you should be learning how to do everything if you want to be a social media content creator or whatever it may be if you just want to consume and just put up cool pictures i understand but if you want to be somebody that's kind of taking part in this sort of thing you have to be adaptable and malleable and able to evolve with the platforms as kind of time progresses and technology moves and interest moves and all that kind of good stuff so i'm going to try going forward to upload more videos on my social media feed especially on my instagram and see what happens that way because i think that'll be a good thing to go but i have noticed myself anyway the last few months a lot more of my friends who would have posted pictures on instagram posting most of their holiday stuff on twitter because it gets more engagement and people tend to you know 
know comment on it more and whatnot and whatever it may be and he doesn't kind of gonna get you know arrested and kind of left to the doldrums when it gets uploaded onto instagram and stuff so i'm gonna try to do that going forward i really am i think that might be a good option to to, to kind of just posting up shitty clips and stuff that normally gives a shit but only pictures i know give a shit about let's see if that kind of works going forward but for now instagram is dead the whatever instagram you the instagram you fell in love with is long gone you have to enjoy what you have at the moment or seek other platforms but it is kind of annoying like as people have mentioned that you have this kind of cross-pollination going on this sort of merging like it's got a brown muck like you know you mix all the paint together and it just turn into brown muck that's essentially what's happening now no platform is specifically trying to do their own thing they're all trying to copy each other whether it's twitter spaces copying clubhouse whether it's instagram trying to copy the tiktok reel the tiktok sorry um feed whether it's facebook trying to copy everybody like there's no specifically in the specific people it's just all kind of um a mush an amalgamation of everything even fucking whatsapp has stories and shit on it as well which is stupid and redacted but you know it is what it is going forward but hopefully um some changes do get implemented but i am going to try on my feet to upload more videos and see if i can game the system too why not anyway i think that's it for me that's been next show episode number 590 thank you so much for tuning in as per you it's been a pleasure to have your company it honestly has if you've enjoyed the show and you've enjoyed what i spoke about then please i would implore you and hope that you would kind of leave me a like leave me a little subscribe down below also if you want to come back and check more content for myself if you're checking me out via the app via the podcast app and all that stuff why don't leave me a five-star review you can leave me a five-star review on spotify leave me a five-star review on apple Podcasts. All that good stuff would be greatly appreciated i've also got a website that i kind of post all my main stuff on called um agostinozinger.com that you can kind of check out i kind of forgot the fucking url of my website but definitely check out my website also if you'd like to see more stuff concerning me i'll get it up on the screen this is it agostinozinger.com you can check out everything concerning myself my blog my list of dj games which is not that many my photography my podcast my soundcloud all my dj stuff my youtube channel and of course you can contact me if you've got any questions about the stuff that i do so check out all that good stuff concerning me on there you can find me on there too and all my social media links will be available there too down below here instagram and twitter and all that good stuff but this has been episode 590 of the excellent singer show if you listen to this via the audio you will hear my song of the day if you watch this via the video it will just fade to black and i'll see you guys again very very soon take care and be safe peace mm-hmm.